Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The money's coming in slow at first. All you're doing all day is just like refreshing the thing where you see the money coming in. Then uh, out of nowhere, like 100 grand comes in and then another 500 grand comes in. Now you're, you know, a couple million a day, right? Like every single day. You're like, whoa, this is different. This is different. So I was basically like, I'm just going to murder the world. Today's guest is Ray Trapani, star of the new Netflix documentary, Bitcoin. Back in 2017, Ray was involved in a cryptocurrency scam that defrauded investors out of hundreds of millions of dollars. He and his buddies created a fake business centered around a piece of crypto technology that they sold to investors as a revolutionary new idea. Now, by the end, they actually ended up developing that technology. But by then, it was too late. The FBI was already closing in. Ray chose to cooperate against his co-conspirators, sending them to prison. Now, the documentary goes into details about the scam, but I wanted to know the person behind it. And what I found surprised me. I'll let you be the judge. And as always, for a bonus episode with Ray, go over to patreon.com slash The Connect Show. Without further ado, I give you Ray Trapani right here on The Connect with Johnny Mitchell. I basically take like the remaining hundred, like 120,000 and I just fly to Vegas with it in cash. And if I win, I'll pay all the debt back and just go back to working in construction. I'm going to just risk it all or die. That's when I see the lights behind me start to flash. And I didn't even think, I just hit it. I was driving like my life depended on it. Then I parked the car, hopped out, closed the door, and I started running. And he pulls out a burner, shank, it's like six inches. And then he passes it to me. And he goes, here, that's yours. Don't ever leave the cell block without this. He was the reason I made it out of that place alive. Ray Trapani, at long last, star of BitConned, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're going to make you the most infamous white-collar criminal, <laughs> if I have anything to say about it. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, that did not make you look good, that doc. The doc is great, very well done. You shine in it. Uh, but you and your whole crew look like Long Island scumbags, you know. 100%. So you're here, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're honest about it. And, you know, we're here to get the full story. So you're a little younger than me. You're 32. So you're from, you grew up on the internet, essentially. 
Um, a little, a little bit. Yeah, you you had some, you had a, a couple of years where we didn't have the devices. Uh, but for the most part, you're, you know, you grew up as like a an old, uh, a young millennial. We'll mm. say, grew up on Long Island, which, by the way, your story tracks. <laughs> this mm. is a Long Island scam classic. Um, you're from a broken home. I don't want to call it a broken home. Your mom seemed very nice on the show. Um, but your father was not in the picture. Where was he? Uh, my father left before I was born. So he basically was just like an iron worker, construction worker, and he left before I was born. And he was just, he had his own addictions as when he was, you know, married to my mom um, with like whatever type of drugs he was on. And then once they got divorced, it was just a bad divorce. And my mom was just a single mom with me and my two brothers. Right, right. Was he mobbed up at all, your father? No. Okay. Did he have like a gambling problem or was he just a blue collar guy with a drug habit? Blue collar guy with drug habit. And you haven't seen him in years? I now rekindled with him after the documentary came out. It's funny because I recorded that audio before, like that clip that's in the documentary. I spoke about that before I rekindled with him. And then after that, I got close with him. And then I when I, I watched it like before everybody and I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to see that clip of you know, yeah, I felt bad. Yeah, because that was just three weeks ago that the doc dropped. Yeah, so this is very new that you're speaking with him again. No, I've been speaking to him like I filmed that three years ago, that first interview. Oh, okay. So you talked, you you rekindled your relationship as you were as I that. was filming with Netflix. I see. Correct. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. What is he doing now? What became of him? He's just a construction worker that he's still doing the same shit, but he's just not doing drugs. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I got to take one minute to tell you about Aura. Are you tired of constantly receiving spam phone calls to the point where you don't even want to answer your phone anymore? Look it. I get 20 spam phone calls a day. It's ridiculous. Data brokers are making a fortune right now selling your information to robocallers, spammers, and others who want to learn more about you, like where you live. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. Brokers are legally required to remove your info if you ask them to do so, but they make it super hard to do. Like, I don't know how to get a hold of half of these companies to take myself off the list. Let Aura handle that for you, okay? Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from other threats you can't see. It's really easy to set up so you don't have to download several different apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, VPN, password management, identity theft insurance, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. So they do all of that stuff that I just listed for you. Let Aura do the hard work of keeping you safe online so you can focus on other tasks with peace of mind. You can either let people continue to exploit and profit off your private information, or you can go to Aura.com slash Johnny Mitchell to start your two-week free trial. Again, that's Aura.com slash my name, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L to start your two-week free trial. Go use Aura today and protect your privacy just like I do. What about your grandfather? My grand, Your uh, late grandfather. Yeah, so um, I can, I mean, from the beginning, my grandfather, like my grandfather now is dead, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so in the beginning I grew up, he's like my father. He's my father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, uh, he started a union. He was first using the elevator union. He was president of the elevator union in, mm-hmm. in New York City. If anybody knows anything about New York City unions, Pretty much all connected. Of uh, course, you know. especially back then. Yeah. So he wasn't, 
uh, a wise guy himself, but certainly he was responsible for paying the extortion payments to mafia figures. Um, I, I wouldn't, I would say more on the side of actually being connected than it's made out to be. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know, like it wasn't like Italian mafia, right? There's like the Westies in, in, in mm-hmm. New York and that's like who his circle was. I don't know how connected he was, but um, he definitely, to be able to be the president of a union, you're connected. Right. Was he a, uh, a Westie himself? Is he an Irish guy? Uh, he's German. Okay. Okay. So maybe he was not a in the mafia. Yeah, exactly. But certainly he had experience dealing with underworld figures. 100%. Uh, but you've been money driven. You're just driven by money and power, you know, like material success from a young age and identity. It seems like for you, it didn't matter how you got it. You just wanted to be rich. Yeah. Like seeing my grandfather always just carry around cash. Like my mom was always broke. Mm-hmm. And then my grandfather would just always have a stack of cash. Anything that would go wrong, you know, a couple hundred, We, you know, there was times where like someone would get in a car accident, just, you know, here's it, just, you know, leave us alone type of thing. Mm-hmm. Situations like that just like always arising. It seemed like money was the solve solving factor of every single issue in life. Yeah, And that's just like from a so, like, when you see pictures of me as a kid, like, they have one in the thing. Like, even my best friend's family had a collage of me in their house of me with just, like, $100 in 20s. Or, <laughs> like, it was just, like, a joke. Like, I was just always infatuated with money for sure. So, you saw the power of money at a very young age. 100%. Yeah. In the hood, we called it go. Just go. Because when you got it, it's a green light. Yeah. So, and I agree with you in many ways. Uh, I, we have a... I have a similar uh, drive, especially when I was younger. I'm just from uh, a more solid, you know, perhaps morally centered family. But I totally understand that, uh, where you're coming from. And, you know, you didn't have a father, so it's like you needed to be the provider, right? Uh, So let's move into high school now. There's Uh, a... My bad, but there's a piece there that like I kind of want to cover that's not in any of the documentaries. Sure, that like go I ahead. think is important, uh, just because so we can yeah, go through questions, right? So like around eight, my mom remarries, mm. and then there's two stepbrothers that come into the picture, and then basically one of the stepbrothers sexually abuses me from like eight to twelve. So from that point, I talked about this in the documentary. It's not covered, and that's basically the clip where it says I always wanted to be a criminal. It's me talking about being sexually abused from 8 to 12 and basically being thought my whole family knew. So I always thought like my mom, my brothers all knew and no one was doing anything about it. So I was basically like, I'm just going to murder the world, right? Like I'm going to fuck over the world no matter what it took. I thought my grandfather was a criminal, so I was always going to be a criminal. And they just took the clip, I always wanted to be a criminal. And that's like the intro of the documentary. Right. And then they completely left out the sexual abuse part. Yeah. Because that wouldn't have fit their narrative with like, this guy is a dirtbag. Exactly. Because that's a huge humanizing piece uh, and a, a sympathetic part of your story. That's horrible. Yeah. What happened to your stepbrother? He's, I mean, nothing. Like, uh, I, I first talked about it after I got sober, after I got arrested this time. So I never spoke about it. And then I brought it to my family's attention that I always thought they knew. And they said they didn't. And I believe them at this point where, like, I don't think they knew. They just basically, my mom was working 60 hours a week in the ICU. And uh, my brothers were just doing their own thing, right? So, like, it just got missed. What What does your stepfather have to say about this? They're not together anymore. So, like, I'm not 
going to go reach out and try to fight this point. I, I kind of worked through it in a way and just like kind of lost that resentment towards him. He was like a 12 year old kid, horny little boy in the house. Weird shit happens sometimes as a kid. And as fucked up as it is, it doesn't mean no good. to. You like, were a good looking boy. It, maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's fucked up, though, man. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. And it really explains a lot about your addiction, too. Yeah. Because this is all driven by your addiction. It's addiction to money and then drugs. And that all fuels what happened later with Bitcoin uh, and the company, we'll call it. Uh, wow. So for four years that was happening. Um then when I guess you started probably using at a young age, he, that same stepbrother gave me like started giving me weed and and like Xanax at twelve. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Wow. This guy really uh, sucked. <laughs> yeah. This guy really did a number. So he's yes, and Xanax was really later on what you know crippled you. That was the big. That was your big thing that you had to kick, right? Um, well, I I was addicted to heroin for a bit there in in the bef way before Xanax. So I had a really bad opiate addiction all through high school. Uh, you, are you snorting heroin like powder heroin? I was shooting heroin. Wow. Yeah. It's gangster. Yeah. That's bad. Fucking I was snorting ass. it in the beginning, but uh -huh. then you know you just hang around with enough Puerto Ricans, you start shooting it. Sure. Yes, yeah. that is what naturally the next step to hang yeah. out with Puerto Ricans. <laughs> I always tell people that. Yeah. Don't I always say that? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, so what does your heroin habit daily cost you? Um, well, heroin's much cheaper than Oxycontin. So like I, if we go back, the Oxycontin is really the bad, the big expense, right? And then you switch to heroin for the cheap aspect of it. So I'm doing like two bundles a day, which is basically $200 yeah. plus you get a deal on it. $80 a bundle, 160 bucks. That's not bad. A day though? That's pretty cheap compared to but doing- But how does, how does a 15 year old afford that? So no, I, I was doing heroin by like 17, 18, Oxycontin up until that point. Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. And the Oxycontin, I'm doing 20 Oxys a day. How are you sourcing those? So the that's where in the in the documentary it covers it, right? Like there's the story of me doing the, like at first, so I get in a bad car accident at 16. I moved out at 16. Mm -hmm. um, I'm playing like a lot of high stakes, like not high stakes, but like two, five poker games, which is like high stakes for a 16 year old. Um, I got into gambling super young as well. And I got in a bad car accident coming home from a poker game. I'm all zannied out. This other kid's driving. The car flips like 15 times. Face gets chopped up. And I get prescribed 120 Oxycontin 30s at 16, which is, I don't know if you've ever taken Oxycontin 30s, but they're strong. Like mm. maybe a ha like a 15 milligrams is more than enough to be given like a 16-year-old that much was right. insane. What, what, what would you compare a 30 milligram Oxy? to like uh, a shot of heroin, like one, one to one, one to one. So it's about similar. Yeah. Wow. So you're essentially getting heroin at 16 legally. Yeah. And this is, you know, the, the mid two thousands, the Sackler family and the Oxycontin epidemic is ravaging the middle is, America. And I call Long Island middle America. It, it is right. It's uh, it's hick New York. Um, I don't know about that. Hick New York. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Upstate, Upstate is hick, New York. York is hick, but you know, Long Island is, yes, there's vast bastions of wealth. The Hamptons are out there, but there's just something, there's something about working class Long Island that more mirrors central Pennsylvania than, uh, you know, Manhattan or Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Uh, but no offense. No, no um, I don't take offense to anything really. Which I appreciate about you. Um, so you're, so you start off, so you, now you're popping these oxys, uh, you start selling them too. Yep. 
naturally. Yeah, I'm still in high school, right? So like you know, like at first I was just taking a few pills, like in like ninth, tenth grade, a few oxys, fucking around my boys, driving blunt rides, and mm-hmm. we you know try half a roxy, whatever it is. And then once I get that prescription, then I'm like, all right, you know, these are going for twenty a pop at the time, and you know, you just you know, you got to make some money. So and it's like, all profit. All profit. Yeah. And you're the plug now. Yeah. So you're like the oxy kingpin. You got 130 oxys. You keep five for yourself. You sell the rest at $20 a shot. Boom. That's a great high school income. Yeah. I mean, even like my, like as far as drug dealing, my night, like going into high school, I started selling weed. Mm -hmm. I made like maybe like 10 grand my eighth grade summer going into ninth grade. That's really good. And yeah, like I'd be, yeah, exactly. That's incredible money. For eighth grader going into ninth grade was insane. So you were good at drug dealing. I was very good at drug dealing. Yeah. Where'd you source your pot? Who are you getting it from? So like at first, like we actually, uh, there's a my best friend at the time. I'm not going to say names, but whatever. His basically older brother was like the plug for all of Long Island, mm. and basically he ended up years later getting in trouble by the FBI, and um, he took his own life. So, but he was selling like hundreds of pounds. So like at even like eighth grade, ninth grade, we're going in there and smoking blunts and you're seeing like million in cash, hundreds mm-hmm. of pounds of weed. So I was just born into that yeah. shit, right? Yeah. My brothers are selling like quaps of BC back then. Yeah. Um, like, but there was just weed everywhere where I grew up. Mm-hmm. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Did you ever consider killing your stepbrother? I'm being serious. Um, no, like, by, like uh, my, my issue was more like struggling with my sexuality at a very young age. And then I first got pussy, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, I love pussy. And nice. then I just basically moved forward in life and like was like, all right, how the fuck do I get out of this house? Because these people didn't help me. And right. They, they know what's going on. Oof, okay. So the pussy cured your your fledgling homosexuality, <laughs> yeah, we'll call it. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah, like my God. first high school fight, I fought a gay kid. Like I was like, yeah. I'm taking these guys out. Right. Yes. Yeah. That is another very Long Island thing. Hate <laughs> crimes. Anyways. Um, okay. So so you've really got a knack for business though. There's no question about it. Um, so now you're you're taking oxys, selling oxys. Uh, what happens? Your prescription gets cut off and that's how you get into smack or? No. So like there's a point there where like is in covered in the documentary, the prescription fraud, right? Like I was, I actually, me and my girl both just started going doctor shopping, getting, because back then they didn't have the iStop program in the, Mm. like in the pharmacies. So you can just fill like as many prescriptions as long as you went to different pharmacies. (laughs) So we just went to every farm, every doctor in Long Island or in New York, like just all day. That's all we did. And how much would a prescription cost you? Um, so like you fill it like without insurance Mm -hmm. for 
I forget the exact price, but like a couple hundred bucks tops. And that gets you how many oxys? 120. Right. And so they're selling 2,400 back on 120. You're making 2,400 bucks. That's if you sell all of them, but you're doing probably half of them selling half of them. But still, you're quadrupling your money. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you're you've got your lovely girlfriend who's you know strung out as well. Yeah. Terrific influence. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm the. I think I would probably be the the bad influence. That's what I was insinuating. (laughs) Yeah. You. you and your girlfriend, and you give your ID. Did you have to give your ID when you filled the scripts, or did you have fake ID? Did you cover not, your, your asses at all? Not even trying to cover our ass, yeah. but it was just like back then, the pharmacies were all getting paid off. The doctors were all getting paid off, and no one cared. Absolutely. That is totally true. The corruption was wild no. when you think about it. How many oxys do you think you moved? Um, I even got charged because when I cooperated, mm-hmm. at the end, you have to like admit to every crime you ever committed in your life. Right. Um, so like, I think they charged me with moving like, I don't know, tens of thousands, kilos of heroin, um, all sorts of crazy shit. So you, the DEA came after you while you were in high school still. So I, the, the, what's covered in the documentary is a prescription fraud where we stole a prescription mm-hmm. pad. And then with that prescription pad, we just had this Orthodox Jewish kid, professional handwriter, mm-hmm. copy the doctor's handwriting. And we just wrote out unlimited amount of scripts, got every fiend in the hood to basically go right. cash those scripts in. We'd give him like 20 Roxy's send them on their way mm. and we'd take the hundred and, and just do whatever we wanted to. So that's where we like my first really big hustle is like end of high school. What do you think you made off that? Um, off that racket. So like probably like close to like, you don't really remember exact numbers. Mm. Right. But like either like a quarter million plus, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. at least, but and then that's cut like between like three people. Mm. And then we ended up all getting in charge with prescription fraud at that point, mm-hmm. you know, so by the DEA. No, it was just like, the regular cops, like Long Island, and uh, I don't know if that's DA when like a detective from Long Island arrested. No, it was probably Suffolk County. No, Nassau County. Yeah, Nassau County. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um. So, and then you just ratted right that, away. That case, not true. Like I never ratted on that kid. So that we both got drug court. We both just went through drug court. There was no need to rat. Mm. I was like 17, my first charge. So, but why did the documentary? I think insinuate that you had rolled. You had, you had given up your friend? Is that not yeah, true? Yeah, that kid is best friends with my co-defendant now. And when they asked my co-defendant to be in the documentary, he just said, interview this kid. Oh. So that kid's just like a henchman for my co-defendant. Okay, so you- And were- that kid was like my boy in high school. And now he's just basically like that kid's boy. And I, I've cooperated in, uh, on another case. Mm. Not, I never snitched on that kid in my life. Okay, so you just proffered. You just got caught and said, I'll tell you everything not that, that I was case, doing. Though. On that case, I literally just- there was no offer to even do that. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Sometimes they don't just offer you to profit or anything. They right. just arrest you. Right. You get charged with it. You get a lawyer. You got you charged go- with writing phony scripts. You didn't get charged with all the distribution, it sounds nope. like. I, I see. Two prescription fraud charges. That I was it. see. Okay. It would have been a whole different story if it, they had made like a big oxy case on you. Yeah. That would have been probably federal. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Um, so this is the end of high school. Uh, are you starting to get into heroin at this point? Yeah. Roughly like, you know, one time, like there's a just a drought basically of Roxy's, yeah. and then that's kind of how you like try for the first time. Yeah, uh, just like uh, my girl at the time's older cousin basically like was like, you know, we can't get him, we can't get him, mm-hmm. but if you want, I know you were drawing, you know, come by, whatever. You know, you're like fuck it, you know. I was like fuck it, like shoot. My girl was like nah, like, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm fiending, mm-hmm. fucking whatever. I go. We end up both doing it, and then then you're like, oh, it's like the same exact shit, you yeah. know. Like you feel exactly the same, 
little bit like uh, stronger in a way, like mm -hmm. depending on how good the dope is. Is it China white or is it brown like the brown stuff? Brown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then like it's it's the brown stuff, right? And, and then from there, you, you kind of going back and forth, doing Roxy's a little bit, mm -hmm. doing heroin a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then um, one day, like my girl's like working, she's like bartending at this point. And, uh, you know, like, even though like I had made a lot of money from the prescription fraud, like you're doing so many drugs that just, that money just blows, right? Yeah. Like you can blow a hundred grand in a six months, easy. Like mm -hmm. if you're doing Roxy's every day and heroin yeah. every day, it's not even like a- It's a, mathematics. You spend 250 bucks a day on dope, yeah. uh, that'll go. Yeah, then apartment, mm -hmm. car, uh, you know, buying clothes, whatever it mm -hmm. is. And um, so then from there, uh, one day, like just basically like, her best friend is this Puerto Rican kid. And then he's like, come over here. Like, you know, I'm going to call the connect. And then he's just like, oh, you know, I'm going to do it this way. Right. And I'm like, ah, fuck. Banging it. Right. Yeah. Fucking shooting it right in that vein. Yeah. That's old school style. Yeah. Hey, I respect that. Cause you got to know how to cook it. You got to know how to put the little cotton ball and the thingy and make a rig. And I yeah. mean, that's Pulp Fiction stuff. That's old school. Yeah. Just like straight in like a spoon or a bottle cap and you just, you know, squirt the water in there and mix the heroin up clean needle uh honestly my first time nope all right have yeah. you had an aids test yeah <laughs> many many you, okay yeah. i've been to rehab like 13 times nice so like and what's, had, the, what's the results i don't have aids thank nice. god there yeah. we go hiv yeah or but hiv you, oh you don't have that either no neither great yeah um so ooh, mainline in it and that was a different level i assume yeah like that you like it's like basically like first time you come right like it's yeah. just like as soon as you do it you're like instant head rush yeah crazy you know mom walks in uh yeah yeah it's it's a good feeling you know? um and i assume that put you over the edge in terms of the addiction yeah i was already like at a low right there right like at that point in my life when i'm doing heroin i'm i'm just like once you get to the heroin point you stop caring about like the money making money aspect of life mm -hmm. and you're just like i just want to do heroin all right. day yeah yeah. And are you, cause you're like a jacked kid where you kind of sucked up, shriveled up as a dope fiend. Yeah. I don't know if you even saw me like in pictures in the documentary. Um, I was like 120 pounds. Like, yeah. That's pretty true. Much all my childhood. But I think you all had, you had abs still though. I've always had abs. Yeah, are you, is, are you always, are you doing sit-ups even when you're coming nah, down just, from heroin? I'm born with that. That's just like natural physique. Sick. Yeah. Um, so, and how long are you out there shooting dope for before things change? Only like a year of shooting dope before like I I uh I get in trouble for like a DWI and like having like a thousand Xanax on me and then I basically go to rehab and from there like I, I get out and I'm on like two years probation mm -hmm. where I'm getting drug tested mm -hmm. regularly and I just get into like the New York City Union. My grandfather got me like a full book, skip skip the apprenticeship. Wow. So your grandfather really helped you out, helped you get out of that cycle. I assumed he paid for rehab too. Uh, yeah. Or my mom's like insurance mm -hmm. or whatever it was, yeah. you know, there's yeah. a lot of times where like my grandfather would help pay for the rehabs because through these times, like even in high school, like I would go away for 30 days, come back, just get right back on drugs. Yeah. There's just so many of those cycles. Yeah. It must've broken his heart because he loved you and you loved him. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a really good guy. He was the man. Yeah. So, uh, you're working in the union now, uh, doing what? Uh, scaffolding. My first job was at the world trade center, the new world trade center. Wow. Okay. So, so they just throw you like put a harness on. I'm like 120, 25 pounds. Yeah. You guys are all jacked, like mm -hmm. fucking been yeah. doing scaffolding forever. Long Island guys <laughs> working in the union. <laughs> yeah. There's no kid. 
fucking coming off a of dope. Uh, so you're you're that's a that's a good trade though. I mean, you got a good union gig. Uh, how does it elevate from there? Because they didn't really they don't really talk about that in the doc. They just kind of go from drugs to now he's in Miami. So lead us into that. Yeah, so I'm basically just like right away. I'm like, all right, let me get on testosterone, catch up to these guys. Sure, you know, I got to catch up. So I'm like probably 1920, maybe 21 at this point, whatever, somewhere in that range, right? I'm, I'm I did way too many Xanax in my life to like know, uh, you know, like my full time sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm just like on testosterone, on probation. Um, but I'm like, I start like you know, kind of doing my thing, learning the trade or whatever it is, yeah. and um. I worked at the trade center for like a year and then you're just like doing like other job sites for, for like six months. It's nothing like really that exciting. That's why it's not in the documentary. I talked about right. it, obviously. Did, you know, going from making all that money and having that exciting life, even though it was coupled with the pain of addiction, did that eat away at you? Did you say, I got to get, I got to get back to being an entrepreneur. Like I, I don't want to work. I, I don't want to get up every day and commute to the city to work a blue collar job. Like I got to get back to making money. Is that in the back of your head the whole time? hundred percent. Like even like during the whole time of doing construction, I'm going to AC every weekend to just go gamble. Okay. Right. So like I needed some sort of fix of like. You need some sort of addiction to supplant (laughs) your other addiction. Sure. Exactly. Were you shooting testosterone too? Yeah. yeah. I love it. How do you, how else you do it? What are you going to do with gel? That's a great point. Are there pills? Uh, Yeah, but that's like for, you know, that's the soft way of doing it. Sure. Sure. If you're going to do testosterone, you shoot it. Okay. Um, so, and I assume you're probably buying that on the black market too. Uh, yeah. At that age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On probation. Um, that's like legal basically. Sure. Sure. So <laughs> you're going to AC gambling. Are you any good at gambling? Are you one of these like guys that actually can win more than he loses? In poker. In poker. Okay. Yeah. So do you try to make money when you're there or are you just there to have a good time? Um, yeah, no, I was trying to win. Like I was, I'm like a pretty good poker player. I played in the world series of poker a bunch of times. Um, especially like when I had all the money during the crypto part, mm-hmm. I'm playing in like $250,000 mm-hmm. buying cash games pretty much every day. The reason I ask you that is because when I watched this documentary and I saw the things that you did, part of me was like, this kid didn't give a fuck about the odds. He did not see, he did not care that what he was doing was so flagrant that it was like painting a target on his chest for the feds. You just like anybody watching from the outside was like, Oh, this kid's going to get caught. But so that's why I asked you about gambling. Cause you've really, you've gambled a number of times, uh, in other ventures. So you're, you're doing this. How long after you, you get your job and you get clean sort of, do you move to Miami? Yeah. So they're like the, at the end of the, I'm still working in construction. I'm like, sick of it at this point i'm mm-hmm. like i gotta get out of this place like i, I was like well, got off probation yeah and i go visit my boy uh that was just here and i'm like i'm gonna go visit my boy down in miami or that was it? your friend that was just in the studio yeah before we started filming what's his name bert okay bert yeah so he he's down there and i'm like all right i'm just gonna go visit him see what's going on down there his, his roommate had just got locked up um just you know he's like yo come down to visit right and i'm like all right bet i go down there and right away, he's like, you know, you should move down here. And I'm like, I just got off probation. I'm like, he's, we go out to like a couple clubs. Yeah. This is like, I'm like, this is dope down here. You know, like he's not in Miami. He's like in, um, in like Boca area. Right. And which is like 45 minutes from Miami. 
So I'm like, all right, you know, but like, let me try to put together some money. And Mm -hmm. then while I'm on the balcony, like I'm just literally just like smoking a blonde on the balcony. Mm -hmm. I figured out like this thing with Vemo. Vemo? Yeah, with Vemo. Back then, you were able to just like, without any money in your bank account, send money to another person without having any money in it. So like, I just randomly was just like, I downloaded Vemo and tried to send him like a thousand bucks and it just went through. And we were, I was like, what the fuck? Even though you didn't have a thousand in your bank account. It just hit my bank account, bounced. He still got the money. I was charged 35 bucks for overdraft fee. And I was like, oh shit, like, what is this? You know? And I sent them the max at that time was 3000. You can send the Vemo. Sent them the, another 1999, <laughs> Went through. And he was able to send it to his bank? Yeah. Crazy. And Can I was, you still do this? No, this is this is like 2016. This, this right? is early Venmo. Yeah, early Venmo before. Like I, they probably fixed it because of me, right? Right. Because I just basically exploited that times a million. Mm. I started creating fake Instagram accounts to like get other people to sign up. Like pretty much like the whole whole Instagram, you know, send me this money and I'll flip it for you type of thing. But without saying send me any money, just give me your information and I'll make you a thousand bucks. I remember I would always get DMs like that. Everybody did back in that era. And we were like, oh, clearly this guy's trying to steal my information. You were just trying to steal money from Venmo. Yeah. At least that was against a corporation. You know, I don't feel as bad. Sure. Sure. In a way. I mean, yeah, it's a startup. You know, employs a bunch of people, right? They pay a lot of taxes, which, you know, ostensibly go to the, you know, keep the society together. But, All right. you know, that morality, whatever aside, that is a pretty fascinating scheme. Yeah. Did you consider moral questions when it came to scamming or cheating or anything like that? No, I mean, at this time, I'm like, I'm getting back on drugs, right? I'm starting to take Xanis again. But, like, my whole life, like, ever since the childhood shit, I was always pretty much fuck the morality of life. People that, like, you know, people did me dirty as a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fuck the world. It took until after I got sober to, like, fully change that and, like, start working with addicts and shit like that mm-hmm. after the fact. Right, right. That makes sense. And I don't blame you after what happened to you. Um, so how... Do we move? So you're getting back on Zannies, you're smoking, mm. going down the wrong road, scamming. You got some money in your pocket from the Venmo hustle. Yep. Uh, how much do you think you made off that? Um, a good, like, we probably did it over, like, a few months, mm. probably doing, like, 20 people a month, roughly, you know, sometimes. So that's, like, 60K. You're doing, like, 200K, sometimes more. Like, I, don't, I honestly, like, exact numbers, I don't know. But we had stacked like over 100K that like after the bread, we were uh-huh. just spending every day yeah. and going out to clubs. Uh-huh. So like you have like, you know. But you're back on your feet. Back on my feet. Okay. Exactly. Right. So move us from there to the rental car business. So like during the course of Vemo, we're like, all right, let's parlay this into like something legit, right? Like mm-hmm. he was, a uh, so he had a business um, before all this with the kid Sorby Sharma that mm-hmm. he had a car business in New York, Bird. that was like his business, right? So he was basically like, let's get into the car industry, the rentals, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, sounds good. Um, you know, the hard part about rentals is that you need like a lot of credit, right? So like mm-hmm. we basically drew up like a whole business plan to mm-hmm. present to everybody to try to get them to like allow us to use their credit to get cars. And what exactly was the business? You're purchasing rental, you're purchasing luxury cars to re-rent on the market, right? Yes. You're, okay. you're, you're financing as many possible high-end cars mm-hmm. to be able to rent, right? Okay. At first, you get a couple cars, and then you, like, start, um, like, reach it. First thing you did was, like, you buy, like, two cars, right? And then you reach out to, like, all the car, car companies that are in Miami already, and you basically get broker pricing from all those companies. So you can just put make a website and say you have every car. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So you have like basically every car on your website and then pretty much you're trying to always make sure your cars are rented out 30 days out of the month. So like if someone's like, oh, I want a Lambo. Once they come to Miami, you're like, oh, the Lambo gone. Take this car. You right. Know, like, okay. So you actually don't have any of this inventory or I mean, you maybe have a few, few cars, a few yeah. inventory, but the rest is like made to order almost. Yeah. So you have a deal with a Ferrari dealership. Uh at a broker price to you. Mm-hmm. And then you, if somebody from New York is coming down and says, hey, I want to rent this from your website, you just go get them the Ferrari at the broker and re, you know, rent it out to them yep. and keep the spread. Exactly. Okay. So nothing illegal about that. Fully legal. Okay. Uh, yeah, and your your family, you go to your family to yeah. raise money. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. This is a big part of the documentary. Yeah. So I basically just like reached out to like everybody in my family. I was like, you know, would you guys allow me to purchase, you know, cars with your credit? Right. And mm-hmm. and and then uh, or like take out capital to fund my business. Pretty much everybody was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, you, you know, you look like you're doing well down there. Mm-hmm. And they all just were all for it. And and so like through that, I was able to get like more cars, you know, so like you build your fleet up to, you know, three, four or five cars mm-hmm. and you have like a few hundred grand of capital to like run the business, build websites, mm-hmm. marketing, all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And how much of your own cash did you put in? Um, so like whatever I had built from the Vemo, mm-hmm. which is like 100, 150K. Yeah. And Sorby is in on this with you? So in the beginning, I don't want him in because me and Sorby never had a good relationship. In high school, I like robbed him during a dice game. We had like a bad relationship our whole life. During a dice game, you robbed him? Yeah, like a CeeLo game, he like took all my boys' money. And then I was like, bro, just here, I'll give you the thousand, just roll them for a thousand, win or lose, I'll just take it all. The Sorby rolled four, five, six, or trip fives, I think it was. And I just basically was like, go fuck yourself. You know? Yeah, strong armed him yeah. out of a dice game. <laughs> well, if you go watch the documentary, and I really encourage you to, Sorby is one of the most uh, disreputable, unlikable people that I've seen in media. In a long time, okay? And I include, like, Rachel Maddow in media, okay? This kid is no good. So, and big fake white teeth, like all you guys, you go to the same dentist. I, I, my teeth are way better than anybody in that documentary. Right, okay, sure. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, you look at him and you, I see a, I see a scam a mile away in Which this kid's face. Which one are you face. talking about, though? Talking about the Indian guy, Sorby. The Indian guy, Sorby, yeah, because there's the other kid that's in it, that's actually in it. Then Sorby's, like, the one that's, he's on, like, a lot of the film, but he didn't film for the documentary. Sure, but, yeah, that guy yeah. in real life. So this is the this is the kid that you robbed in a dice game. This is some real uptown Harlem, South Bronx shit that you white boys pulled out on the island, by the way. But, uh, so, yeah, I just want to paint the picture of, this person, the character of this person, I'm talking about. He's, he's a old. used car dealership, Indian kid, basically from Long Island, right? That's the character. You, that, he checks all the boxes. Yeah. So used car dealer, Indian, you know, yeah. not Indian from Long Island. That's the guy that you go into business with. And so, I don't want to, right? That was Bert's partner in those used car dealerships, right? So mm-hmm. Bert was a used car dealership with him. Sorby's like the leader of that. Mm-hmm. And Bert's like his his partner. And okay. they did decent, right? But then like, you know, gangs got involved and they were selling all their cars to the Crips Bloods, this type of shit. And then it got fucked up. What was your function if they already had this business going? What was your role? This is before I was dealing with okay. them, right? Okay. So this is back in New York. And then, so like when I moved down with Bert, they had already separated, mm-hmm. and Sorby's uh, like head finance manager of Lexus. 
Okay. So at, at that time he, and then he's, but he's like broke, right? Mm-hmm. So like, then he wants to get involved in the business because he sees them getting all this access to capital again. Right, right. And he's like, what are these guys doing? And he was like helping us get some of the, like Burr was like hitting him up, like, you know, how can we get these cars? And he was just really good at like the financial end of getting approved approvals from banks. He was good at like uh, bullshitting on documents, this type of thing. That he's, was Sorby's role. He was the king of that shit, right? Like he's literally the king of, he taught me like everything I know as far as like Adobe PDF editor fraud. Right. That aspect of it, like I didn't know shit. Right. And And later on, he was the spokesperson for the the Bitcoin company. mm -hmm. And he was, he is a good bullshitter. Like he's a good salesperson. He was a good, like, you know, he would be like a, a politician in some local, you know, Long Island town. He was, he was the, the mouthpiece. Yeah. Um, so you raise you so basically you you out of all three of you guys are the only one that has your personal money in it and then your family money how much did you raise from them um there's a lot of car loans right that ended up just getting paid back off or the cars got sold but like say like uh at least four or five hundred thousand dollars in like capital that's like from family right and then from your grandfather who else uh, my aunt, mm-hmm. my grandmother's credit card, like like everybody's basically getting Miami exotic credit cards for us. So like there's just like my my stepfather or uh-huh. like my he's basically like my mom's boyfriend. Uh, so just everybody that like is in my circle, all we're looking out and, and signing off on mm-hmm. getting cards. And Sorby's just like basically just send them a credit card, like a like a car application, mm-hmm. right? And then once we had their information, Sorby was just like so good at this, like where he would just like reach out to every bank and get like a maximum approvals from every credit card company. I was just like, I didn't even know it was going to be like that much right. money borrowed from my family. He just was like, had that ability of just, right. and I was like, all right, I guess we'll use this capital. So he used your family's money to to get loans yeah, as leverage to get loans. yeah. And then what were you guys doing? Just, just uh, building up the fleet. Yeah. How many cars did you guys own? Did the company own? By the end, we own like 10 cars, but then we partnered with a company that had like another 20. So we have a showroom of like 30 cars and we had like better than broker prices on those cars, right? right? Like basically cost. And then we basically, if they needed to rent our cars, it was just like a, a, a partnership deal that we, we worked out. What kind of cars did you have and how much were you able to rent them out for? So like, uh, like a Lambo is your payment on it is say 2000 or, or like not even like if you get like an older Lambo, you're trying to get the cars a little bit older, yeah. right? So say a Lambo payment's 1500, you're able to rent it for like 25 mm-hmm. or like an Aston Martin payments, like 1200, you're able to rent it for um, like 600 a day. So like, that's the thing. Like an Aston Martin is like a perfect example. Cause that was like our number one renter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like the first car we bought. Uh, so the payment on it was 1200. The insurance on us may be like another five, six, 700. So then you're renting out for like six, seven hundred a day. So like you basically pay that payment back in three days. Mm-hmm. So then if you rent it out for thirty days, you're it's eating all, all cash, all yeah. profit. Yeah. Wow, that's good business. Great business. And you especially guys, in Miami, it's ridiculous because everybody goes to Miami just to spend all the money that they don't have. Yeah, and show off. Yeah. And um, so you guys are killing it, and of course you manage to fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're killing it. There's like, by the time we have 10 cars and between like marketing costs and all this type of shit, we're making like 60K profit. And that money is literally being more than that is being spent just in personal expenses. Right. And that that's basically what it was. You guys didn't have the discipline to reinvest it. You were just spending too much. Yeah, exactly. Which is the easiest mistake to make. And also the easiest it just depends on what your constitution is. For me, that's the easiest thing not to do. That's just how I'm built. Right. Like I, I uh, high, high income, low expenses. That's wired in my DNA. But I mean, this is not 
how Long Island kids are. This is not how you're wired. You gamble with life, and you have and you have fun too. And yeah. you're also drug addicted. Yeah, I'm I'm drug addicted. They're not. Right. Right. So like I'm drug addicted and I'm also gambling and they're like bringing me out to clubs. So like mm-hmm. I was getting my first experience hanging out with celebrities, all this type of shit. You know, you're driving sick cars, you're fucking all the hottest girls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're pulling up everywhere in the sickest cars. Mm-hmm. It was a life, right? Like that, yeah. that aspect of it is like unmatched as far as like fun, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you can't really have like an existence that like in your twenties, in your mid twenties, to have like a better life. It's pretty much what every kid is shooting for. Totally. But like as far as sustainability and like building capital, mm-hmm. it was absolutely retarded. But it seems like you guys could have just spent half of what you spent and thrived, become millionaires, parlayed that into bigger businesses, right? A hundred percent. Because it was a successful business. Yeah. That's where like people, it's not in the documentary, but like there was checks get, getting cash that like were and like, I didn't know if it was Sorby or Bert. And I'm like trying to figure out who it is, right? And then basically what was happening was Sorby was cashing checks in Bert's name. So the whole time, and then they were basically blaming, like he was blaming Bert for it. And that's where like this, all this hostility came from. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, Bert's overspending, like there's a thing in the, th- the documentary about him buying a dog, you know, like just stupid expenses like that. And then a night out in Miami can cost you $10,000 at a club. Mm-hmm. Easy. What does a dog Ten grand, you know, but like, just like, it just was like something that was like, we were like already, this is like months after like, we're overspending, overspending. And he bought, came home with a fucking brand new Frenchie that was 10 grand. I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck you, you know, right. like, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Frenchie had a wicked Coke habit too. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. So yeah. like, so, uh, so what was he cashing these checks? What was Sorby cashing checks for? Uh, his own personal pocket. Okay. Oh, wow. So he was embezzling. Yeah. Okay. He was stealing. Yeah. That's this tracks that's sore before you, yeah. right? Um, so at a certain point, when do you guys look at the books and and say, "Uh oh, we we're spending double what we take in." So there's a point there where, like, out of all the capital that I had, you know, put together, it's between like two, three bank accounts, right? And credit cards are starting at max. They're not like at first we were just paying them off in full, mm-hmm. paying them off in full. And like that slows down. And then it gets to the point where like, you're like have like a few hundred thousand left in capital. And then it's just like getting worse. And like, you're all arguing at this point, everybody's blaming each other. And we're all like, have this like, uh, slightly narcissistic ways about us, all three of us, you know? So like, it was like, I was getting dominant, like almost like overwhelmed. Like I'm like on drugs. I'm like, I don't know what to even say, like who to believe. I had nothing, no idea, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like fucking up myself or I'm like disappointed in my own self. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm just going to take all this money and just say, fuck you guys. Like I can't go anymore in the hole. Well, what about your parent? What about your family? Don't they want to return? Are they asking where they're- Not profits. Okay. They're not asking for any. There wouldn't. There was no like, uh, they weren't asking for like- Are you th- returning a principal to them though? So no, like they're like, all right, if we take out a loan for you for two hundred fifty thousand, just pay that two hundred fifty thousand when you make the money. Okay, so you're not in trouble with them at this point. Not at all. Okay, they're literally just thinking the business is running fine. Mm-hmm. You know, all they're right. like, all right, yeah, he's just getting more cars. You know, like really just not even paying attention. Okay, so you decide to take whatever's left of your cash in the company and split. So yeah, then there's a point where I'm just like, fuck these guys. I basically take like the remaining hundred, like hundred and twenty thousand. And I just fly to Vegas with it in cash. Mm. And I'm like, I'm just going to basically risk it all. And if I win, I'll pay all the debt back and just go back to working in construction. Or I'm going to lose it all and kill myself. Well, so, how much in debt were you? 
This is like you're in like 400,000 in debt, roughly like 300,000 in debt. To creditors, credit card companies. and Credit cards, home equity line of credit, which is like my grandfather's house, you know? So like, this is like, and that's like my dad, right? My idol. So so it it hurt. So like, I'm like, fuck these kids. Too much money's going missing. I can't control it. I can't make enough money to pay this shit back. Mm -hmm. We're never going to square this away, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to just risk it all. Or die. Like, I was like, that's it. That How was, are you going to kill yourself? Have you I, thought about I, it? I had like 100 Xanax on me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was just, I brought my drugs and I just went down there. And I played in the World Series of Poker. Uh, like, made it, you know, I was like, made it to like day two, you know. <laughs> 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 Fucking some good stories. Like, I bluffed out like that guy, Michael Mizrahi and that. And it's like, uh, and then I, whatever, sooner or later, got stacked and lost my chips. And then yeah. I, I played back at all night, mm-hmm. up, down, up, down, and then sooner or later lose it all. And at this point, like, I'm, the more I lose, the more I drink, uh-huh. taking more Zannies. I'm probably, like, 15, 20 Zannies in, plus, like, you know, a bunch of drinks. So I'm, like, just, like, ready to die. At Did you point. know your limit before you actually could die? Like, the number of Xanax? I was taking, at that time, 20 bars pretty much every day. 15, 20 wow. bars a day. Like, 2 milligrams Xanax. But, like, tolerance is... People underestimate how much of a talent you could build. I wasn't yeah. like, I would take 20 bars and people wouldn't be like, he's barred out. Like, they'd be mm. like, he's just like functioning. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm taking like right when I wake up three, you know, every couple hours three. And just like, I mean, if you see me on video or audio, like even like the New York Times calls, you can tell I'm barred out in my voice. Mm. But I was like uh, still there to an mm-hmm. extent. Like, mm-hmm. you know. How, what does that feel like 20 bars a day? Uh, you constantly just had, pushing through you. You just basically have no worries, no right. anxiety, no thought of like fear or anything mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, everything is just like, whatever's in the moment, you're doing mm-hmm. that in the moment, right? Like you're not thinking 10 steps ahead behind you. It's just whatever wow, it is. sounds very Zen. It is very Zen. Wow. That, That's like uh, what the Buddhists strive for with meditation. I could just take a bar? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It, it really is true. I mean, Xanax is a great drug if taken responsibly. What is it? What do they prescribe it for? Like anxiety? Anxiety. Makes sense, right? Yeah. So intellectually, you're not you're not physically worried, but in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm if I lose this money, I'll have to kill myself. Yeah. Okay. So you've crapped out, so to speak. You've you've lost all your money in Vegas. Uh what happened? Did you try to kill yourself? Yeah, I go up to the hotel room and I just pop like 60 Zannies straight. Like I just take like a handful, 30, another, I pour the bo- rest of the bottle in my mouth, lay in the bed. Think about like whatever I can think about for that 30 seconds before you just pass out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then like 20 hours later, 18 hours later, I just wake up. And did you, were you glad? Were you like, oh my God, what did I do? Not really. Like, you're not really glad you wake up. Mm-hmm. You're like, I have no more drugs. First off, as an addict, you're like, the first thought you have is like, I don't even have more drugs to like, I'm going to start withdrawing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, now I have to like face my family or what do I do here? Right. I yeah. just like called my mom and cried, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, what do I do? And I'm like, all right, let me fly back to Miami and let me see what I can figure out. Cause it's only so long. You can just talk to your mom about like anything, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I fly back to Miami and so he's like, all right, what we can do is like, uh, we can sell one of the cars. And then he figured out this way to like basically sell a car and give the guy a fake title. So we didn't have to pay off the car. So we basically and you claim it's stolen. No, you just basically get the guy just, he was so good at documents, like where like the guy basically used the title, got a registration and everything. And just still to this day, that guy probably has like a fake title on a Bentley. So he's, but who's making the payments to the creditors? We continue just making the payments 
and he just gives us the lump sum of 150k. Right. right. And then you only have to pay whatever 2 grand a month. Yeah, there's a whole hustle with that in the car business they call them ghost loans where like basically they'll give you like a check to go get a car and then you basically never get the car and you just make the payments. So you get like, because like a lot of times you applied for a, a loan right now, you say a person that can get a $10,000 actual loan would be able to get a $50,000 car loan. Right. So well, that must be rampant. Yeah. That's like a, that was like, they call them ghost loans uh -huh. and you just basically never get the cars. And then once they really come after you for the title, you just pay that one off and do it again. Mm. You guys could have been very valuable to mafia families and mafia organizations because these are on their face, very good mob scams, you know, like that's how the bread and butter sites at gambling, uh, were you ever approached by organized crime to like, never? wow, but you, they were dealing with gangsters, Crips and bloods selling them cars before you yeah, came I, into I was running around with Crips and bloods myself for a while. They're mm. like, it, like it completely different sets, mm -hmm. but like, um, and this is like early on, like where I was running around with like a, you know, a little 22 and yeah. like, uh, my my best friend at the time was like one of the leaders of the Crips in, in Far Rockaway. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, uh, are you able to, cause I don't really remember this part. I watched the doc, but that was three weeks ago. I can't remember what, what came of that? Were you guys able to recoup some of your money? So yeah, then you get that 150,000 back. Right. So that now I'm like, all right, so what do we do from here? Right. And he's like starting to get a little bit distant and I'm like, how do you even have money? Like, where are you getting money mm -hmm. from that? You're like, and then he's just like, oh yeah, like I'm investing in crypto. But basically what he was doing, he invested in crypto and he's just like day trading with money that he stole from Miami Exotics. Right. 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 And I, because like he was broke, came down there and now he just has this money that like mm -hmm. wasn't through our company. So he's basically day trading. And then like- Did you consider going and reporting him? Like literally going to the feds and be like, this guy's stealing from my business. That's embezzlement. That's real. And for the amount of money he stole, which I think is in the hundreds of thousands, that's like a big sentence. Yeah. So the thing is, then you have to tell your family and your business, like you never have, like I was still in the hopes that like somehow I'd be able to make this money back. And that's kind mm -hmm. of what parlays into what Centratech winds up being. But, but you were stolen from though. I know. But the like thing if was, you were going to cooperate- through the whole, you know, dirty business of ratting and your story of cooperating, I would say that is probably the most justifiable. When you're making legitimate income, yes, you're being irresponsible with your profits, but we can fix that. You have a profitable business still. Mm. We can make that back. This guy's stealing. Mm. But you never thought you just didn't want to expose your failure to your family. It that that like was pride more, of that. more of the failure part than was like the, the biggest thing. I, I didn't like, and then I also was like unsure if it was Bird or Sorby, right? Oh. And like, it wasn't until later that I figured it out that it was Sorby. Um, so, so from there, then like basically in the crypto, like he's trading crypto and he's talking about it. And I, I'm like, what the fuck is this nerd talking about mm -hmm. basically, right? Yeah. Like, this is like some it's magic Indian money, shit. Indian shit. Exactly. And, um, and then one day he basically just lost it all. There was like a flash crash, which is basically like Ethereum drops down to one cent and then mm -hmm. just shoots back up. Right. It's like some scam that back in the day was able to run on those mm -hmm. like exchanges and shit. And um, he's basically broke again. Right. Right. Did uh, did you sell all the cars that you bought? No, still have cars. And like, I was still trying to run Miami Exotics. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo, why aren't you helping with Miami Exotics anymore? Yeah. Like fucking, I need help running this shit. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yo, this crypto shit. Because he was just doing well in trading for like this short couple week period. Right, okay. And, um, and when did you, when did the light bulbs go off that, oh, this is a real 
this is an even better hustle. This so, new Bitcoin yeah. shit. Yeah. So he loses that money in mm -hmm. that flash crash. And then he's trying to basically find out a class action suit against Coinbase. Right. And through that on Reddit, he finds out about ICOs, which is like, what is ICOs? It's just basically this unregulated market of people raising a ton of capital, bunch of nerds, basically just with no fucking product that are raising $100 million, $20 million left and right. For, for in, in order to purchase cryptocurrency. Yeah. So basically it's the same thing as an IPO. You come up with a concept, right? You come up with right. a concept and then you- Take it public. You take it public, right? But like not actually to like with the exchange, uh, Securities and Exchange Committee. So at that time, no one was being touched by them. Right. Okay. That totally makes sense, right? The the What an IPO for a company, uh, a, a regulated company is, is an initial public offering. It's when you've built up a private business enough to where you offer shares of the company to the public. And they buy the shares in hopes that it, the stock goes up and then they can sell it for a profit someday. So is that what all of these investors, these individual private investors and later uh, institutional investors, is that that was their hope in buying into CenterTech was that your your price was going to go up, the price of your Bitcoin company was going to go up, and so they could sell for a profit, correct? Absolutely. Okay. So, but Great. it's also viewed, make that clear. Yeah, it's also viewed almost like as crowdfunding, right? Like it's like not like public companies that already been around and established. It's basically like crowdfunding combined with going public, right? So it's like this weird mm -hmm. combo. And then also like cryptocurrency doesn't hold shares of your company. You have literally, you create a corporation, Centrotech, and it has its own shares. Like when you create a corporation, cryptocurrency has nothing to do with shares of a company. Right. So were, were people you- People get that idea conflated were, and it's not true. Like, were you selling shares of your company or of the big- Coin. So I'll explain how that okay. works, right? So you basically create a coin, right? So you go on you you Ethereum blockchain. Mm -hmm. You can get a developer to build a coin off of the Ethereum blockchain, and you basically make a smart contract and you print as many coins as you want to print. Mm -hmm. Basically, print money, right? You're like, all right, how many centric coins do you want to make? We chose to make a hundred million centric coins. You pick your price of what you want to sell it at. So now, basically, we're like Ethereum. It goes off like a cryptocurrency value. So like. Every time someone invests one Ethereum into this smart contract, which is just an address that they send the, the Ethereum to, it automatically sends them back Centric coins. So it's basically a dollar a coin for that's what that was our starting price of what we were going to sell Centric coins for. So you essentially printed $100 million at that point. Right. Okay. So because I'm a moron, I'm like a boomer when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, I'm just trying to clarify for the listeners. So a Centric coin was the product. Just like a Dogecoin, just like a Bitcoin. I wouldn't say that's the product, though. That's where, like, uh, there's a misconception, right? It's because there's a product that we're creating, and then those central coins are almost representative of a share of the company that we're making this product. But what's your product, though? We're making a card that's going to be able to spend in stores. Right. Okay. Hang on there. Boom. So, so this, what about Bitcoin, though? Because Bitcoin is just the, is that just the most popular? Crypto? Yeah. And literally has nothing to do with the documentary. Got it. You just called it that for, they you're just called a, it that for click. You're going to be, able, yeah, for click, clickbait, hundred percent. You're going to be able to spend your Bitcoin on the card, but it has nothing to do right. with the story But you all. could spend your Ethereum on the card. You could spend your center tech on the card. You could spend your Dogecoin, whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Got it. So you were raising, you, you center tech 
was the company. Centratech. Centratech <laughs> was the, your company and your product was going to be this card that you could print off all of your crypto on and receive cash back right away. And Centra coin was your cryptocurrency. Our shares of that company, like it, almost representative of shares of the company. That's how crypto is all presented, okay. even though it's not the real shares or like a real public company. Got it. That's where like that has to be figured out like on a uh, legislation basis. Right? right. They haven't figured that out yet. And this is what year? This is 2017. Right. So, so the, the crypto bubble, you guys got in like at the perfect time, the bubble is just starting to inflate. There's, you know, a thousand companies like you, um, you know, the, the documentary at the very end says that during that boom, I think there were like 500, uh, you know, Bitcoin companies like yours, crypto companies like yours that were just made up out of thin air that had ICOs. I think about 80% of them were scams. Still to this day, 80% of the cryptocurrencies are all scams. Just it's, people like you that don't have a product. Yeah. If just, I didn't make a documentary, it would have been forgotten about, right? Like it, every company in crypto is, a, I would only to, still to this day, if it's not Bitcoin or if it's not Ethereum, it's a scam in my eyes. Yeah. All, there's no point of having that many coins. There's only real one real use case. The government's not involved and you can send money to anybody anywhere in the world instantly, right? right. Without like any sort of government involvement, right. any bank involvement. That's really the only good use case for cryptocurrency. Right. Yeah, because there's no other value. Yeah, it's, what the fuck do you need it for? Yeah. So it's just Bitcoin and Ethereum in your opinion. Yeah, you have like the internet that like you can build technology off of. Fucking, you can build the technology off like without it. Right, right, <laughs> right. Okay. Um Great. So, uh, and this was Sorby's brainchild or your brainchild or both? So what happens is through finding, trying to figure out um, like, oh, what is an ICO? We, f we basically like, oh, what can we make an ICO off of, right? So we basically find a company in Singapore that was making a card and a wallet that we just basically stole their website. Uh, so it wasn't like a brainchild essentially, right? It's just like copy and paste, change it to Centratech. And this was, uh, okay, they were, and what did this coin, what did this company in Singapore, what were they doing? They, they were making that card. They were trying to make a card with a wallet. With this, in the same concept, you could, with, you could take your Bitcoin on this card and go to an ATM and get cash from it. Or go to the store and buy clothes with it, yeah, right? Like, right? So like, that's how it works. It's just like, you have like a wallet on your phone, right? Yeah. Where it just shows you all your cryptocurrency and you basically pick which cryptocurrency you want to use. And then you go to the store, swipe your and card it and it works like, it converts on your thing and you, sh yeah, it just shows the conversion rate and then it's just withdrawn in, in cryptocurrency. And that's a great business. That's a great idea. Yeah. And, but they, this company in Singapore, that they were just developing it. It yeah. sounds like they didn't have that. They didn't have it all figured out yet. Yeah, but there's a sick part of this, right? That company just trying to figure it out. They never got there. Mm -hmm. Then there's another company um, that's saying they have Visa and Mastercard also, which is now the company that owns Staples Center. But they were lying in the beginning about Visa and Mastercard. They just settled with the SEC civilly, and now they own Staples Center. What company is that? Now it's Crypto.com. Crypto.com, the crypto arena yeah. in LA. Wow, they okay. did the same thing as us. Wow, that so you guys. That's kind of a visionary thing to be able to see that and say, oh, wow, that's a great service. Yeah. That's a great legitimate service if we can figure it out. If we can figure it that's out. That's a big if. That takes a lot of investment, a lot of research and development, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of nerds doing the back end coding and stuff like that. 
So you steal, copy and pasted uh, the website of this company in Singapore that was trying this technology mm-hmm. and take it from there. How did you start to build up? Yeah, so we Centrotech. just basically, uh, from that point, we're still in like an apartment, just like like renting a couple cars here and there, but mm-hmm. focusing on this, right? And then like, you basically just go into like all the different Bitcoin Reddits. There's like a ton of them, like Bitcoin talk, like random or in Slack channels. And you're just basically pumping your coin, right? You're just like, everybody check this out, check out our website. And you're just slowly getting investments. You right. Know, 20K a day, 50K one day, you know, mm-hmm. like, but super slow for like the first month. And in the documentary, they talk about how you guys set yourselves up as like, you know, CEOs mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You call it, you said you had a master's degree from Harvard. Sorby had a business degree from Yale. You know, you guys made yourselves, you completely uh, inflated and lied about your resumes. Um, who is the CEO? So uh, we created a, like, we didn't want to be the CEO because we were too young. So we yeah. created a fake CEO, which is like, uh, we basically just found like a stock image of like an old white guy. <laughs> you just and, Googled old white guy uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and took just, the picture that came up. Yeah. Took that picture and made him, uh, his name was Michael Edwards. Right. And we just created him as a person. And who was <laughs> the real Michael Edwards? He was just like some Canadian professor. We never even knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, you know? he was yeah. he was like a professor in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that guy. I feel I feel really bad for you know. Yeah, like, they yeah. supposedly like came to his house like on horses. Oh, so, the the Canadian FBI, FBI. basically. Yeah, yeah. Mounties. Wow. So you so and you posted you copy and pasted you swiped his picture and then pasted it into the website and he's the first face you see when you see like, okay, yeah. Centrotech, he's the CEO, you're the- I'm the chief operating officer right. and Sorby was the chief technical officer. Right. Um, and then you basically had like, you know, HR, like a bunch of fake, mm-hmm. other, there was a couple other fake pictures on there, like just right. random people. And, and to the untrained eye, it looks, the website looks fine. Yeah. Like I would look at it without doing a deep dive and I could say, okay, that looks like a real company. 100%. Um, and did you guys file like articles of incorporation in the state of Florida? Yeah. Uh, in Delaware, cause it's like more protected as right. far as like no one can find your corporation right. or who owns it. So this is in fact a company. Yeah. It's a real company. You've just taken the technology from somebody else and you're purporting to, you're purporting that it works already. Yeah. Well, not really reporting that it works. We're basically saying that we have the deals with Visa and MasterCard right. to make it and we're in beta testing. Right. So like that's why not pe- people aren't anticipating getting their card right away. Right. That's down the line. We put a like a timeline of when people are going to get it, mm-hmm. and uh, we just need to raise capital to build out the company even more. Right? I see. Okay, not a lie, actually. Not a lie. The only thing that was lied about was just the CEO, and the the fake uh, deal with Visa Mastercard, which is the most the CEO thing is really doesn't like yeah. maybe people will like like oh that looks like a real guy, right? But and like our, you know, saying I went to Harvard, he went mm-hmm. to Yale, this shit. But it was really that Visa MasterCard. If that was true, the company is official. Without that, it's not, right? right? Like that's like the hardest thing to get no matter what. Right. So you're now, yeah, raising money online, going to all these, you know, chat rooms and Reddit and pumping up your new company and this new idea. Uh, and you start raising money and explain that. 
Yeah. So then we're like, you know, the money's coming in slow at first. And then there was just one day I'm literally sitting on my balcony, like smoking a blunt. And like all you're doing all day is just like refreshing the thing where you see the money coming in. You know, like every 10 minutes you're like, all right, let me check. More money came Uh in and then go back into the chat rooms. Right. Fucking. And then uh, out of nowhere, like 100 grand comes in and then another 500 grand comes in. You're like, whoa, this is different. This is different. Right. And then what happened was there was just this guy, this like old nerdy crypto guru guy that basically fucked up. His like uses like a web bot type of thing that like is like AI almost. And it like combined us with a bank because like Centra is like the word in Latin or some weird shit like that. And then he put out a press release without doing his own due diligence. And, and it basically said Centra Tech is a partnered with a bank. And then his, he's such a big name that people just automatically dumped in like two and a half million within like 24 hours right. from that. What is that guy's name? Cliff High. Right. And you can find him. He's all over the internet. He's like supposed to be the crypto guru. Yeah. So he has a bunch of these individual investors who saw that and they follow what he's invest. They thought he was investing in you guys. Yeah. And not even that what he's investing. It's just like he, when anybody takes his, his right. shit at face, they're like, oh shit, this is a bank. I'll dump my money there. So overnight, you had millions of new dollars yeah. into the company. So like it went from like shit to a bit like, a, like, oh shit, like wow. what do we do now? Right? Like yeah. we didn't, we weren't even expecting, like for my whole thing going into it was like, I just need to make back my like half a million, pay off my family shit, and then I'm gone. Right? So then you were going to just dump the money, cash out, and then shut everything down? Like that was my, not Sorby's plan. That was my whole I- ideology going into the company was just like, I need to just make back the money for my family. I don't care about Sorby. I don't care about any of this shit. I okay. just want to fucking pay back my debts. So that's still fraud. So your, your yeah, yeah. thought was, I am stealing. I'm going to commit fraud to basically pay back my debts, and then I'm just going to try to get my way out of this. Got it. Okay. So that's criminal intent. So yeah, yeah this 100% is, this criminal is intent. Um, so now at this point, after that big influx of cash, how much are you guys sitting on? So now you have like two and a half million or three million at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like, oh shit, like now there's really eyes. Like your chat rooms go from 200 people to 2,000 people. And that's just like constant talking, right? right? And that's where we bring on like the third guy, um, which is basically Sorby's girlfriend's brother, the kid that's in the documentary. Mm-hmm. He comes along, he starts working for us. Also white ass teeth his teeth suck though mm-hmm. his yeah. are like straight no like you know he got like instant veneers or whatever <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah you guys got the plug on veneers no he he got them <laughs> way after but like i i got my shits like done by like a professional place where they send out molds and right. all that type of shit <laughs> okay so and he was the coo he was the chief o- operating officer or he was I more think like they brought him in as chief marketing officer at first or okay. some shit like that. And what was his function in the company? So at this time, we're still, we have $3 million and we're still in like a apartment that's literally half the size of this room, mm-hmm. like a room that's half the size of this room. And he's sitting on like a milk crate, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, we're on computer chairs. Yeah. So he's like on a milk crate on a laptop. And we're just basically like trying to control the chat room of like what people are saying. Like, oh, now they're starting to ask questions, right? Right. Like, like real questions, right? Like who's the CEO guy? Why, when can we meet him? Right. And uh, that's when you're just like, fucking, this is getting nuts, you know? Right. And we're like, we have to go legit. You know, like we're right. like, this is where like, people, it's not covered in the documentary, but we were trying to go legit. You mean like you were like, oh, we have all this money for a product that we claim to be developing. Let's go develop it. Correct. Right. We go get a sick office, yep. like, uh, you know. One of those glass offices, right? I think, was, yeah. it, was it on Miami Beach? Yep, on Miami Beach, yeah. glass office, you know, yeah. 15, 20 grand a month type of office. Mm-hmm. We hire it out, probably 40 developers or like 
20 developers, customer service agents, everything you can imagine. Right. And we just, like, even, it was funny, like, we went and bought 20 MacBooks for our developers. Mm. They came in, they're like, we can't develop on Macs. We had to just, like, <laughs> yeah. put them in a closet and just go buy 20 PCs. Right. We need big computers. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. They're like, Macs are for, like, fucking pictures and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you hire the guys over in where were they? Moldova? Those guys were, like, they're overhyped in the documentary. Also, they just want to make it seem like a bigger thing. But yeah. like, uh, who were they? They were just like the guy. They even built our Miami Exotics website. Right. They were, so just they were upward, coders. Yeah, just like two decent coders from fucking Lithuania, wherever the fuck they said they were from. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wasn't Lithuania. I could tell you that. <laughs> I think it was like Moldova. It was one of those weird Eastern Bloc countries, though. Some shit like that. Uh, and how? And why them? Were they just cheaper? Uh, you know, I don't know if you ever use Upwork, but you just basically put in what you want to get done uh -huh. and then people reach back out to you and, you know, we just pick them. Yeah. There yeah. was no like uh, science behind it. They just said they were good at this type of coding. Yeah. But they weren't, um, they didn't even build like the blockchain aspect of it. Okay. They built like our website and then like they would put up the fake pictures mm -hmm. or like they would just like constantly be on call to like change anything that we needed to be changed. Right. We actually had a guy that was like another guy from Upwork that built like our blockchain tech. I see. I see. So those guys in the documentary uh, over in Moldova, they were they knew this was a, a scam or a, a fake company that you guys needed to build build out. They didn't even ask that question ever, right? right. So like they're just whatever. You're paying us, you know, thousands of dollars. Right. This is our price. We, we do what you say. Got it. Okay. So yeah, you hire all these guys. You're trying actively to produce a card where you, that will exchange cryptocurrency for cash. Yeah. Did you guys get close to that? By the end, by, by the end, we actually had it fully working card, wallet, everything. Right. Because you got Floyd Mayweather, I believe. That was with the fake card. Oh, so Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Let's talk about this. Yeah. This is a huge middle here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, at one point, you were getting celebrity endorsements. Uh, one was DJ Khaled, hilarious, and Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, and he posted on his on his Instagram him taking this ascent. What do you call it? the Centra card? Centra card. The yeah, Centra so cards, and and going and buying, purchasing something with his Bitcoin at a store. Yeah, he know he did that knowing that it didn't work. Floyd Mayweather doesn't know anything what that's going on, really. So, like, what Well, we, he's retarded. We all yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. The guy can't read, you know. Yeah, yeah. That 50 Cent thing is hilarious when he does yeah. the ice bucket challenge. But, yeah, so... Uh, what so, yes. So, he didn't... He knew... He acted... Because he had to give the money back at the end. Yeah. So, he actively... He, he took your money. How much did you guys pay him? Like a million dollars. He took that knowing or or not caring if I, it worked? I don't, it was just knowing, not knowing, right? Like they didn't care. He does a million promotions like that. It was right. basically you speak to his manager. Yeah. He, he's like, this is Floyd's price. And yeah. you send the money over. Yeah. The, the manager makes his little cut from it. Mm -hmm. And he just says, what do you want me to say? And what do you want me to do? Okay. Right. And you just basically give him his script and he just does it. So what we did is we just took our debit cards from our pocket, sent it to a place in California that will just like rebrand it into like a metal mm -hmm. Centra card. Base. It says Centra. Mm -hmm. just, they just changed the chip. Right. So like it's basically, basically just a debit card. It's right. like our debit card and it's just going to come out of our bank account. And then he's just holding up a app that right. just has like some something that we programmed to make it look like it's actually working. Right. Right. So then he just makes the video saying, um, you know, Look, using my, you know, buying underwear in my Centra card, mm -hmm. and it just shows the app, and that was like his first commercial. Then he posted like a picture with him all his belts. Mm -hmm. Just bought my Centra coins. Right. Um, 
But that blew you guys up. Yeah, that was what, like, we were smart with, like, as far as marketing aspect, right? Like, we took that few million dollars that we parlayed off of that Cliff High movement, mm -hmm. and we just basically got a sick office, developers started really building and started taking like unlimited videos of our office. Like, look what we're doing here. This is sick, right. like a sick big company. Right. Bad Floyd Mayweather came involved. DJ Khaled came involved. This looks now from an right. outside perspective, the fraud just escalated to right. like the top of the top. Yeah, and then the, now the money is pouring in pouring constantly. In. Yeah, so now you're, you know, a couple million a day, right? Like yeah. every single day. And then I also, on the back end, this is like not covered in the documentary, I figured out how to control the price of Centra. Uh, on a, like a black, like a dark, not a dark web, but like it was just like this underground exchange mm -hmm. where it allowed me to like jump the order book. Like for this is like too maybe too technical for some people to understand, but like typically on an order book, if you, a price is two dollars, you have to buy the two two dollars and one cents, two dollars and two cents before you can buy the two dollars and fifty cents. On this, you can basically I would put a sell order four Centric coins of my own Centric coins at two fifty, and then I'd be able to buy my own order at two fifty with the Ethereum. And it basically create everybody thinking that now Central Coin is two fifty and the price is up twenty five percent today. Why would you want the price to be higher? You because you own, of course, because you own a ton of your own stock. Yeah. How much of your own money did you put into your company? So, to like to pump the price, you're saying. Yeah. So you don't end up, it doesn't cost you money to do. You only spend like the transaction fee because you're mm -hmm. buying your own transactions. I see. So like it's this, it was the sickest loophole ever because you say you own 30 million of this coin now that's say two dollars right mm -hmm. so that's 60 million dollars worth of your coin now you can make it 250 in a day mm -hmm. you instantly just print 15 million dollars right right wow how many times did you do that every day <laughs> every day what do you think your net worth was at the peak um close to a billion close to a billion company worth wow Close to like, yeah, because we had 200,000 Ethereum, which ended up like in the beginning was two, 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 I mean, $250 a token went to 1500. So now, uh, you do the math on that, that's 150, 300 million. So then we own, uh, 30 something million centuries, maybe half a billion. What is it? Is it a half a billion it's or a, a billion? It's, it's a half a billion if you do the math, right? Because, like, so say 150 million per 100,000 Ethereum, that's 300 million. Then we have like Bitcoins and shit like that, but mm -hmm. I don't even count that in because that was just like not as many. Um, and then you have 30 million times, say five. What is that math? That's another 150. Uh -huh. So say uh, realistically 450, right? Okay, like, so if you got a half a million dollars in the company and you got a third of that, or did you own more? Or was the company evenly split between you, Sorby, and That's where it the got teeth tricky. Um, okay. the, the White Teeth Kid. What is his name? Farkas, Robert Farkas, Farkas RJ. Okay. Got it. Uh, so he never makes a penny the whole course of the company. Oh, no wonder he hates you. Yeah. He and, just slandered you throughout yeah. the entire documentary. <laughs> yeah. And he's also Sorby's fiance's brother. Okay. Gotcha. So, and, and they had a, they had a joint defense. Mm. Um, and I basically, the, the, the director like showed him clips of what I was saying about him, just basically calling him an idiot. Mm -hmm. So he basically was no, like, no, he's stupid. You could tell like, just he, he's a dumbass. Yeah. He was getting centric, like central mm -hmm. tattoos and yeah. he's all you know, stupid. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then basically Sorby's the one that controls the investor uh, funds, which is like $300 million worth of funds. Yikes. You and, don't want Sorby controlling that. We, we know that. Yeah. And, and people like still to this day, there's like lawsuits going on. Like I, like I basically um, now like FBI sees the hundred thousand of it. There was 200,000 raised. I've been actually working with a guy to try to like recoup Sorby cashed out 
all this money. And okay. now, hang on, let's save that because this yeah. is important and and really glossed over. This was the that was the big glaring part of the documentary at the end. We were like, does Ray have money left? Did did the government let him keep it? Uh, Sorby, why did he do all that time? Uh, he definitely seemed like the bigger criminal, but yeah, there's just, a, there was a lot of unanswered things. So, but let's just save it for the end. Uh, you were saying that you in fact were by the end able to figure out the technology. You yeah. said you were able to figure out a way to make that card print cash for crypto. Explain that. Yeah. So we were consistently like applying to new credit card processes to try to get a card that would work, getting denied. Crypto wasn't being accepted, like, you know, this whole thing. And then we finally found one that was a prepaid card. They, the one thing that they wouldn't let us do is like rebrand it into a Century card. So we just have to use like this shitty plastic card, but it would work with our wallet app that we had created. So it's basically the same thing. The card just wasn't metal. Like What was app. the company? It was, uh, at the end, it was like Galileo or one of these like random prepaid um, oh. Visa MasterCard companies. But it was a Visa MasterCard Visa company. MasterCard, yep. Okay. So, but then why did you start, take, why did you, before then, what was the decision to take the Visa logo and start printing them on your own debit cards. So we had said from day one that we had a deal with Visa MasterCard, right? right? And we ended up getting a cease and desist like in the beginning mm -hmm. with that. And we were taking it on our website, off our website, just like trying to appease the chat rooms and, right. and, and the people that were investing. But at what, dis what point did you say, oh, yeah, we have to – this technology is not getting developed fast enough. We need to, you know, fraud and make it look like – and, and start putting Visa on your website, putting Visa onto the cards, you know, showing that black card. You can go look it up or watch the doc. It says uh, uh, Centra card. And right on the corner, it looks very real, is the Visa logo. Yeah. What made you guys say, yeah, we have to take that step? Because that's real obvious fraud. You yeah. know what I mean? That that was basically a step to basically be better than our competitor. In the very beginning, we made that decision, right? With 10X, didn't have it. We were going to be the American company that had Visa and MasterCard already. Who was 10X? 10X was just the company we copied in Singapore. Gotcha. Okay. I see. Oh, so you guys printed that. You guys, uh, um, we'll call it cropped that Visa logo onto the card from day one. Day one. Got it. Okay. Um, so now... Uh, and the whole time you're you're strung out on Xanax, fully strung out, literally from day one of Centra to the very end. Okay, um, and then what was the turning point? Who, what was when did it all begin to unravel? So the New York Times guy Nathaniel Popper, uh, he puts out an article. Basically, he like got us right. Like he he hits us up. And he's just like being friendly. He's like, all right, I'm going to send down my photographer. He had spoken to Farkas. Then he puts me, put Farkas put me on the phone with him. Like, yeah, like, seems like he wants to do a good article on us. I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, New York Times. Like, I'm from New York, mm -hmm. just like this ignorant kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got me. Like, he like basically pitched me that like it was going to be a good article. Sends the photographer down. We all take these pictures. And then after like the pictures were taken, he starts like pressing me on questions. Who's the CEO? Uh, you know, do you have Visa MasterCard? I called the uh, bank corpus who we were saying we were getting from in the mm -hmm. beginning. I called them. They say you don't have a deal with them. And that's when we like, all right, we have to kill off Michael Edwards, right? That That's, right. Uh, we're like, so we say Michael Edwards died in a car accident. <laughs> and uh, we Yeah, put why did you choose, hang on, why did you choose, those are the such obvious things that a lay person can investigate. When you say, it's like saying I have a, 
I got a movie deal right now with Jay-Z. That can be, we can look that up. Like, that was one of the most obvious dumbass things you guys did. Were you just too high or were you too high off the money, the adrenaline? We why, raised 20 why did, million without, without, with as easy as it is to investigate. But why, why wouldn't you, but yeah, but this is clearly, you're, you're raising money from speculators. Like when a mainstream person, right? The SEC, a New York Times reporter, uh, the FBI, like these are, when you say you have deals with Bancor, that's a phone call to verify. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't you, didn't you have a backup plan? Didn't you say, ah, maybe, maybe we ought to like not announce these things. So Bancor was like, out of all the companies that had Visa MasterCard, they were the hardest to verify through. We tried calling, we did like verifications where we would call them and they wouldn't give like really clear answers. On their website, it was hard to look up. Mm. So we did like a little bit of due diligence right. as far as that, right? right. Like they, they just, they were the hardest to verify through. That's why we used them. The New York Times guy, he got right through. <laughs> right through. Yeah, that's how it works, right? Like once yeah. you have like a real deal person that knows what they're doing, yeah. they were able to easily get through. Right. Okay, so... I cut you off. Continue. How does how does that New York Times article manifest? Uh, so sooner or later. So at this point, we probably raised twenty million, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not at like, uh, but like twenty million had turned into sixty mm-hmm. um, because like prices of Ethereum, we're raising it in Ethereum, so like people have to understand the fluctuation of the price is always going up of mm-hmm. how much we raised based off of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we had so at that point like say 60, whatever the hell the amount is, right? Mm-hmm. But then he puts out this article and like you would anticipate like a just complete fall apart. Like we killed off our CEO right after that happens. Um, he also put out an article, uh, it's not covered in the documentary, is like Sorby had got his like fourth DWI mm-hmm. and then in New York and I he asked me to lie on the stand from and I ended up going, coming to New York, lying on the stand from I got a perjury case. Um, oh, what were you supposed to be lying Just about? saying that he didn't really have that many drinks. <laughs> oh wow! And that you were with him, and you yeah, could verify. I, was with him. I wasn't even there. It happened like before I was even hanging out with him. Did he lose that case? Yeah, I got like right arrested right there on the spot. Wow, like, whole, are you serious? Yeah, they like had it like on camera everything. Like I don't know. I Did just, they get his blood alcohol level? Uh, I think he didn't blow. Okay. Yeah, it was like one of those things, and it was like his fourth or third DWI. Right. So he was stumbling around. It was obvious that he was drunk. Yeah. So and oh, then, no, he was driving. You know, he was driving, and yeah, then, yeah he got. Fucked and it's like and then so like the first article from the New York Times is like um two glasses of wine and a Maserati, white Maserati. It's like what I said on the stand. Wow. And um so then we're like, all right, we're gonna step down from the company, but we're gonna just continue on from the shadows. But you know, we're gonna step down. We got rid of Michael Edwards, we put my grandfather as the CEO. There's these big shifts that are coming, right? And we're right. hiring like real deal uh chief technical officers and like the best of the best, like as far as like quality people to run the company. You hired actual business people. Yeah. Real lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, everything like at this point, we're trying to go legit, but we just were built on such of a house of cards mm-hmm. that like it was bound to just crumble. Had you paid later. your family back by this point? At this point, I paid some of it back. What a piece of shit. I know. <laughs> I know. That's what just like, but like $300,000, you yeah, raised 60 million already. So throughout this time, Sorby has the money, the, the access to the, the, investor funds. I don't have the access to it. Sorby's breaking me off here and there. I have access to just Centra coins. So right. like I'm I'm not rich really at all yet. Sorby's rich. He's buying me Rolexes, this whole, you know, like. Does that worry you? So this is always like a worry because I, Sorby and me have this shit relationship. Right. And you know, the guy's a thief. He I embezzled know he's a thief. out of your yeah. 
rental car company. So I'm basically plot, plotting this whole time of like, how can I stack enough like outside of this to make sure that I'm good no matter what. So I'm just basically stashing Centric coins mm -hmm. throughout this whole time. And like, I don't want to sell them off because it would just crush our price. Right. So I still haven't paid it back because I haven't made enough money to pay it back. In yet. liquid cash. Yeah. And right. I'm asking him throughout and we're fighting over this same topic throughout. Right. So this there's beef between me and Sorby throughout. I go lie on the stand from still like, not, and then like, he's like, all right, we're going to step down. And this is where he tries to like cut me out of the company. Like, and, and my grandfather's the fucking CEO. Like we uh, had been through all this. I know everything that's wrong with the company. Mm -hmm. Like if I just went public, the company's shut down and we're all going to jail. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't do that. I just basically like, just pay this fucking debt, you know, like, like let, let's figure this out. And he starts giving me like, oh, here's like 50K towards it. And just like piecing me, mm -hmm. piecing it together. And then they ended up, we ended up getting to the point where like the card and wallet start working, but then we start getting SEC and subpoenas. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much is at the same time, right? Like by the time we figured it out, and that's where Sorby's like, this is like a government hit job on us because they don't want this car to really go out to the public. And like, I'm like, you're ridiculous. Like we did something illegal and that's why the SEC is investigating us. But if you had a card that's working, it's the product that you told all of these investors that you guys were developing. Yeah. So you developed it. So if that's true, and I assume it is because you had to tell the government everything, you wouldn't be on the podcast lying. What was the crime? You, was it lying that you, was lying, it the initial intent? Yeah, lying to raise money is security fraud. I understand. Wire fraud and security fraud. I understand that. So it was the initial lying. Yeah. Uh, because you guys changed. When you got all the money, you said, okay, let's actually go do it. Yeah. But the initial lying, saying you were developing it when you were just sitting in a studio apartment in Miami on a milk crate, mm -hmm. that that's where the the criminal aspect came in all of we weren't even charged for like the price control any of that we were literally just charged for um just those two misrepresentations pretty much just like the visa mastercard and the fake right. ceo and uh like the linkedin fake harvard and stuff like that that was like security right. fraud wire fraud conspiracy to commit both of those things four counts and that was it we never like it had nothing to do with how realistic the company became or like how legit the company mm -hmm. came mm -hmm. um they didn't give a shit about any of that they're not like that's not their job to care about yeah uh, now, what was interesting in the documentary they had one of the heads of uh, the investigation your investigation on there and he admitted he was like there was thousands of these scams going on we just needed to make an example of one mm -hmm. and you guys were one of the biggest or at least the most out there the most obvious the most flashy yep um what were those SEC investigations? Because the SEC is not the criminal division of the FBI. Um, what was their function and, and, and what happened with them? So what happens there is I, I left the company. He like basically like cut me out. And I basically at this point have like $3 million worth of Centra coins. Mm -hmm. So this is where like this big fight happens between me and Sorby. I'm like, let's pay this fucking debt. He basically won't pay the debt. And I just basically cash out my Centra coins. Right. And I'm like, fuck this company, right? I just left and made my millions. Right? How much did you sell that? Like $3 million. Coin? Okay. One for one. for one. You had $3 million. I coin. had $3 million worth of Centra coins. Uh -huh. So like, that's why my restitution is $3 million, okay. right? Like, that's like what came to my personal right. account. They, uh, like, of course, there was watches bought, this type mm -hmm. of thing, and and random money that Sorbia hit me off with, like, throughout the time. But, mm -hmm. like, that's why my restitution is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I cashed out, I forget, like, exactly how many tokens it was, but 
I made $3 million. So that's just a click of a button? So, yeah, pretty much. But I could only cash out like 50K a day. So basically, I have like 50K a day coming to my bank account for like two months straight. (laughs) Unbelievable. And that I can't imagine the red flags that's (laughs) popping up in the FBI office. You know what I mean? Just, uh, that's insane. And are you paying taxes on that? I hadn't paid it. Yeah, I still owe the IRS a ton of money. Still to this day. Still to this day. Were you paying taxes during that time when you were getting in the investor funds? No. I don't know how much Sorbios and taxes or how that that aspect of this all works. It's a fucking mess. Yeah, it's, it's a, a fucking big- mess. <laughs> now, for these investors, you know, if you're stupid enough to invest with a couple of judge rules like you guys, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for you if you lose your money. A lot of people made a fucking shit ton of money. like Because people were cashing out. Yeah, they were buying and, low and selling when it went up. Yeah, like still still to this day, people don't realize in these crypto communities, there's just a ton of guys that you basically pay to shill your coin or promote your coin. So like we were giving people hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's like so many people complicit in this fraud. Like literally oh. hundreds of people that made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Every single YouTuber that ever put out a bad article about us, I'd pay them 20 grand and then they'd put an article out how great we were. So you would give people money to to buy your coin? Not to buy our coin. We're giving them free our coin to basically promote our coin. Oh, okay. To promote that our oh. company. And then like these people, we'd even send them our debit card made into a central card. They do unboxing videos. Regular people that just were like, I'm making like a hundred grand off this fucking company. I'll make a video of me spending my car using my Centric card. Oh yeah, people have no morals. Yeah. yeah, that's not what it's about. You guys are just the conspirators that you know began this this big fraud. Yeah. Um. So you you cash out uh, of your share of of Centricoin, Centricoin. You've got three million dollars now. Did you pay off your family? Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. So- uh. So that is good. Um. Do they know what's going on? They Do have any suspicion about what's going on? Do, what, does your grandfather know he's the he, CEO? He's he's basically dead at this point. He dies like right here at this point. Right. So like he was like, I don't give a fuck. You make the CEO. I'm like about to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's just already a gangster. He's just like, go ahead, whatever. Yeah. I'm literally have brain cancer for the third time. Like I'm dead. Wow. So you when know? he died, did you guys keep him up there? Yeah. Or did you kill him uh, off too, like Mark Edwards? He got Michael a, Edwards. He he died like actually like probably a month after I left the company, and then we got shut down like a month later after okay. that so it's just like are you happy that he went before you got arrested I, I like talk about this like with people that are close to me that like it meant so much to me that he died knowing i was like in his mind i was doing really well right right, right. like i paid off all the debts mm-hmm. family was everybody was good and i ray trapani his favorite grandson or you know i don't want to say favorite but yeah was like killing it in life right his like, little man yeah exactly did he know that you had relapsed um, no, nah, like they, you know, older people are like kind of ignorant to like knowing what it looks like, you know, right. If you're just wearing a nice suit and you know, they don't even pay attention. You know? Right. Right. Um, did any of your family reinvest after you got, gave their principal back? No, there, there was no need. Like right. uh, they weren't trying to make money. They were just trying to help you get off the ground. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you paid them back at least. Great. Now, did they ever get in trouble? My family? Yeah. No. Okay. Um, so after you paid them back, you, you're sitting on a, a bunch of cash. Uh, what happened? Um, so I'm basically at this point, this is like my my best party stories degenerate. Like I'm like gambling every single day, like quarter million a day. Uh, just like these huge poker games, basically at the hard rock every single day of my life. Just unlimited hookers, cocaine. I'd wake I'd wake up basically my day was like I'd wake up at the casino, I'd drink like a couple bloody Marys, pop a bunch of Xanax, 
go to the mall, buy a couple outfits, come back to the casino, gamble, mm-hmm. go out to the club. You know, that's like my my cycle, right? Uh-huh. Get a bunch of like Miami strippers to come back to the hotel. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, so this was like- I don't disapprove of any of this. Yeah, that time is like amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Like realistically, like I'm like having, this is like my dream. There's no way you don't have herpes. Me, I have nothing. Wow. Yeah. I, I was like, I would go to rehab. Like after I, when I'd go to rehab, I'd be like, they, they'd be like, you want to do your, all your STD tests? I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, nah, yeah, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't have to detract onto this road. We didn't have to go so far <laughs> down this dead end. Um, I was just kind of having some fun yeah, with I, it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so you were essentially out of the, of the business of Centratech. Yeah, at this point. I'm out of the business and like. I hate Sorby at this point, right? Like I lied on the stand for him. He cut me out. Mm-hmm. And then he has all the the big capital where I'm like, this is fucked up. Like I should have some of that money. Like we built this company together. Right. And um, that's when like he hits me up like, yeah, the SEC is investigating. And he's like, you have to go meet with this lawyer in the city. I'm like, SEC, like whatever. It's civil, you know, like mm-hmm. fuck it. Like I'll, whatever I have to do, just let me know. And he like gave me like, sent me like 20K. And I, he didn't even know I made millions of dollars off the Centric Right. Why just, would you do any favors for him? He basically was, just, I was subpoenaed also. Oh, okay. So you were subpoenaed. Yeah. All right. But I didn't even know because it went to his, the office. So he's just like, oh, I hired us all lawyers. They subpoenaed us. Go down to this lawyer in New York City. And this wasn't the fake lawyer? The fake lawyer thing is just like, a okay. like we hired that guy in the very beginning to give us a ruling. And then when the SEC investigation was going on, Sorby mentioned, we, that was a lawyer off Upwork that Sorby paid like two grand to. Okay. And they just wanted to like talk about it because he was like a Trump lawyer guy and like oh okay yeah. yeah so in the doc just real quick so for the people uh that haven't seen the doc basically you guys needed a lawyer why um some other coin had got it charged by the sec okay so we were just trying to find out a ruling if we were going to be considered a security oh i see okay yeah and then so you sorby found a lawyer on upwork and it looked like his credentials were amazing mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'd been to like Cornell Law School or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had all these good reviews uh, in the in the state of New York. And so he sent him a bunch of money. And it turns out it was just a, like a freshman in college. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some kid <laughs> in his dorm room doing what you guys do. Exactly. Rip people yeah. off. And he was scamming like DC politicians, all <laughs> sorts of shit. That's hilarious. Yeah. He, was, he was killing it. Then he ended up, that. the only reason he got caught was because Sorby at the SEC investigation was like, this is the lawyer I spoke to telling us that we're not a security. And then they were like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> we looked him up. Can't find any record of him in the New York bar. Yeah. Uh, do you know what happened to that guy? He got arrested. And then he ended up getting out. And like at the time, he was like a lawyer, uh, students for Trump. And now he's supposedly like a liberal. Oh, interesting. So did something did he happen get a, in jail? Did he get a <laughs> right? Yeah, gang rape <laughs> makes you want to vote Democrat. Um, no, did did he get arrested because of what happened to you guys? Did that come out? Did you guys give him up too? We didn't give him up. Sorby said this is who gave us the ruling, and then they got they did an investigation oh, based off of Sorby telling them that's right. who we used. Right. Okay. It gotcha. wasn't like a give up type of situation. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, so. Bringing it back now, the SEC, you get subpoenaed, you mm-hmm. go down to meet with a lawyer, a real lawyer in Miami. In New York. I, like, oh, okay. I, so we hired a New York lawyers, whatever. But um, so like I go meet with her and I'm just like, at this point, I'm max addiction. Like mm-hmm. t- if not more than 25 bars a day, drinking every day, mm-hmm. like just fucking a mess. And um, she was like, oh, so like you have to give us like a statement. And I like, she was like, you can't even give us a statement. Like you're like, can't even talk. I was like, 
I don't know what you want from me, mm-hmm. you know? And then uh, from there, about like a month goes by, I'm playing like a high stakes poker game and I get a call from Sorby from jail, which like, I didn't get arrested. He got arrested. Him and Farkas got arrested like a month before me. And they raided the office in yeah. Miami, right? Yeah. He was trying to like support, he was like on a flight to back to South Korea. Oh, we skipped that story, but. Oh, right. Uh, tell us. what. Well, yeah. How did Korea come into play? So what happens is like, we had been almost sold out, but we still have like the, the, the rest of our coins. We, we had been doing really well at this point. Then a bunch of these Asian names come into the chat room and, uh, we're like, who the fuck are these guys? They're like, we're, we want to invest like big money. And everybody says big money, you know, mm-hmm. like in the mm-hmm. crypto space, you're like, okay, you know? Yeah. And they're like, we want to invest $15 million. We're like, all right, you know, sounds good. They're like, come to Korea. We're like, okay, we're not coming to Korea. Right. And then um, they're like, all right, we'll give you 5 million right now. Like this, send 5 million. We're like, all right, you know, I guess we'll come to Korea. Right. And we looked them up. There's no website. We're like, who the fuck is this? Chip company? off the block. Yeah. You're like, these, these are our kind of guys. Exactly. That's what it, that people don't realize. That's who that was, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just like some shady Korean money. And uh, Sorby, Why did you need that money, though? Was, what, wasn't it kind of coming out in the chat rooms that you guys were shady? Is that why you, you um, this was like a savior? So this is like basically our sellout point of the rest of our coins. We're just like, they just reach out to us. Like, mm-hmm. even though like things were coming out about us, yeah. people just tend to like, if they're, as long as you, I was controlling that price, no one gives a shit like what's mm. coming out about you. Right. And, and how many coins you, you printed, you basically offered uh, a million coins? A hundred million. A hundred. Okay. A hundred million. How many had you sold to this point? So we were supposed to keep a reserve of 32 million. Mm-hmm. That was like our, in our white paper, which is like the, what you draw up for investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had sold probably, so that's 60, we had probably been at like 50 million. So, right. So we have like another, whatever it is, 16 million more coins to sell. Okay. Um, so you're getting there. You're close. Yeah, we're getting there. We're close. And then basically they invest that $5 million and we give them like a little bonus like of like 20% more than the ICO price or mm. whatever it is. And then they're like, come down to South Korea. And I'm like, I'm not going to South Korea to like meet with these guys. Sorby's ballsy as fuck. Jumps on a plane by himself mm. with a backpack, goes down to South Korea. And basically like the days leading up to him leaving, we're like, all right, we have to have something to actually present to these people because the card and app weren't there yet. Right. Right. So we had created like this, basically a, a prototype of what we were building. Yeah. You know, it was like, we were really trying to build the app at this point. So we had like a prototype that we just needed to function with Sorby's debit card. And we, so we got, once again, Sorby's debit card printed into like a center card mm-hmm. and we just needed the app to work alongside of it. But the issue was, is that like the, for the APIs to connect on like a technical basis is you just needed to press like the button after it hit his bank account and it would automatically transact and show on his phone. So he goes to Korea and basically the plan is as soon as he swipes, I'll see it on his bank account and all I have to do is just press the button. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to show on his app in his presentation, which is going to be a live presentation on camera. Right. And you're talking to your coders in Moldova now like mm. saying, hey, this is of utmost importance that this API works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's like our fraud coders, right? Like right. the guys in-house are doing like real developing our app and then we're right. like, all right, wherever the fuck these guys are from, um, yeah, we'll use them to like build this like f- bullshit thing. To, right. Like, so the people working in your office in Miami think your company is straight. Legit. It's only these coders in Transylvania mm-hmm. that think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that think you're, exactly. that know that this is a fraud. 
Exactly. Right. Okay. So uh, Sorby goes over to Korea. He's he's you know taking videos with uh, a bunch of these funny looking Korean guys. Um, they take him out to dinner. They court him. Yep. Yeah. So then he's basically like, all right, time for the time for the thing. And he texts me. He's like, you know, just be ready. Right. Mm-hmm. And me and Farkas is sitting there like just ready to press the button, you know? Yeah. And then uh, so he's basically there. And then like out of nowhere, you just we're just watching the bank count. Boom. We see, you know, whatever Korean vegetables, fucking whatever he mm-hmm. bought and we press the button. And then Sorby just goes, you know, black. Right. Yeah. No answer. We're like Sorby's dead. You know, hundred percent. Sorby's dead in Korea by these crazy fucking. Yeah, <laughs> button didn't work. Yeah, button didn't yeah. work. Clearly, I mean, he would have told us it worked and yeah. everything's good, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, clearly, it didn't work. Uh, well, so, what had happened? His phone died. Just not like the he, AP. It's just like he was just connectivity issues, right? right? Like he's so far away that it just didn't work properly. Yeah, and they, these guys aren't the best coders, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> and know? they and, but they got the money anyway. Koreans gave him the money anyway. Yeah. So, but like that, so like you think he's dead for like 10 hours. He mm-hmm. doesn't answer you. You're like, and then you get a text. Yo, it didn't work, but they still invested. We're like, what? Like he basically pitched them to be complicit in the crime as well. More of this shit, right? Like this is like our story is literally everybody just became complicit. So he told them, he was able to like translate to them. Yeah, they speak English too. That, <laughs> that this company, we're just going to keep pumping the stock. You'll make money. Well, like, yeah, we're trying to build it app. app. This is like the real app, but it's not there yet. Right. You know, not like we're just like, yeah. you know, like it wasn't like the day one, like people that were involved yeah. in the froze. We're there almost. Yeah, you, know? you were like, we're, it's kind of a, yeah. we're kind of telling the truth. Yeah. We're kind yeah. of lying. We're kind of not. You know, we mm-hmm. are trying to develop it. We're just not as far along as maybe we led you to believe. Exactly. Then they film like a whole new video that's like properly edited to look like it worked the whole time. And now <laughs> we have, you know, Centrotech partnered with Bitset, Bitset or whatever the fuck their name is. This was. is just a perfect example of the corruptibility of human beings. You guys get so many people to say, ah, for the right price. I'll tell you it works. Exactly. You know? So, uh, so they give you all these millions. Now you've got another 15. We oversold our coins. Like we were supposed to keep 32 million. Uh, we ended up like, cause it didn't work. We had to give them like an extra little bonus. So mm-hmm. we were like, Fuck it. Like, we'll keep them in this this other account. We'll, we'll split the 32 into two 16s, mm-hmm. and we'll just tell the investors that that's us holding it, but you guys won't sell it, right? So, like, we'll, we'll, you guys can sell the ones that you already got, whatever. There was, like, mm-hmm. this, like, thing to make it look like it was okay to the rest of the investors, and so no right. one really ever got suspicious of it. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, from there, like, shortly after we get the, you know, this whole thing between me and Sorby happens, we split mm-hmm. s- split up. I'm out of the company. I'm still like following what's going on. The app, they they finalize getting it all working. Same month, pretty much the SEC investigation comes in. And that's where like, um, shortly after that, I'm playing now, like fast forward to where I was, mm-hmm. was where I was like playing poker and Sorby hits me up from jail. And he's just like, yo, I got locked up. I'm like, for what? Like, I don't know if we got locked up for a DWI or what mm-hmm. the fuck happened, you know? And, um, He's like, oh, you know, for security fraud, wire fraud. He's like, can you throw away my girl? Wasn't even to speak to me. It was literally like he could have called anybody else, mm. not his co-defendant, like who he knew was involved in the crime. He didn't give a fuck about me at all, right? So like, and I just threw away the, his girl and I'm like, I guess they're going to come get me, right? Like mm. a month goes by and they never come get me. Did uh, you lawyer up? I didn't lawyer up yet. No, like I'm just still like 
speaking to the SEC. But, but if you got the technology working, if you had the card, that's huge. Like, why wouldn't you be waving it around? Like, this is this they're, is like charge like, for the fraud of the beginning. Yeah, but if you have, they don't know your intent though. Like, unless they have, you know the South Koreans or some people on the inside that can prove that your intent at the beginning was just to raise this money and then sell out without having the product that you it was, said that you wasn't had. even the plan was to just sell out or really like there was no plan. It but was, I'm saying that's a defense though. I'm bringing up a defense for you. I, is it though? Is that a defense? If you just blatantly commit fraud or then you have a defense that like we were going to actually try to use the money to be, it's not. You can't blatantly raise money through fraud and then say, oh, I was trying to really build a real product. But, but, but what did what was your fraud, though? Your fraud was building this we technology. Made, we made full misrepresentations that we had Visa and MasterCard deals and a CEO that never existed. Yeah, yeah. That's blatant You're arguing fraud. very well for I your worked with the FBI for fucking <laughs> two years. All right. See, there was no mitigating circumstances. Like, hey, guys, okay, sure, yes, but- Technology, like we did it. Are you overstating to me that are you telling me the truth? You no, guys had this it technology. Fully work. worked at the end. I, why would I even care to say it? It's literally a, a props to Sorby. I right. left. He right. finished it. So to, now to this day, is that a technology? It works for crypto.com. So crypto.com, yeah. they use that. Yeah. So so I can go get a card with all my crypto on it and go get cash out of it. Yep. So you guys did it. We did it. <laughs> That's historical. We did it before Crypto.com. Wow. We did it before Crypto.com. They made the same misrepresentation in a different country as FBI couldn't arrest them. Then they just basically paid off the SEC uh, like civilly. Right. Um, Why couldn't you guys have done that? Sorby lied to the SEC about how much money we raised, and that led to the FBI investigating. Oh, so if Sorby would have just come clean at we the SEC on level? Center. We were on Stable Center today. Wow. And you never would have done jail time. You could have just paid the fine. And then you could have paid, you could have given all of the money back all and then it. just started, you have the technology now, and then just kept going and built up this legitimate product. hundred percent. Sorby's the, I, I, like I said before, at the beginning of this show, he is, he's one of the most unlikable. If anybody deserves to die, <laughs> Sorby is, is a good, there's a good case to make that Sorby should have his head in a guillotine. It, it, I mean, the kid, he has no morals. Uh, he's a criminal. He's a sociopath. And he's hes a fucking retard, you know? But, you know, I mean, you, you, you went, you know, you yourself have a lot of, a lot of blame in this. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I fully take blame and responsibility and I, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for what I did. Right. But, um, so th where, where it goes from there is then after that, we all get arrested. I sooner or later, the FBI comes and gets me and, I basically get, after like a week, they send me to rehab. And I had been on drugs from 12 to this point, short periods of sobriety, but always on drugs. And this time, like, I was having like seizures up until my arrest, like when I would run out of Xanax or whatever mm -hmm. it was. I go to, I get arrested and I'm in jail. And I'm like, I didn't even have like bad withdrawals. I don't know if it was like the gravity of the case I was going against, but like, or God or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Fucking, I was just like, Okay, I like slept that night. I was mm -hmm. able to eat. I'm in there with like 25 Kodak Blacks in Broward <laughs> County Jail. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a rough jail. <laughs> Broward <laughs> County, Florida, I think has like the most pedophiles per capita. It's uh, wild. That's where they have the pedophile parks. I was in like the the suicide part. So like I'm in like the Spartan fucking. Why? 
because I'm coming off drugs. Oh, okay. So it's like drug suicide. Right. And like, it's basically just like me and like a bunch of guys coming off lean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and right. they were like fucking nice guys, you know? Yeah, I mean, sure. I was just chilling fucking, I, I love yeah. Kodak, you know, yeah. it's like one of my favorite <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did FBI want Sorby? Is that why you were able to flip? So uh, Farkas like met with them and then I was in rehab at the time and like they're like, yeah, like someone else is trying to cooperate. They o always wanted Sorby because he was the lead ringleader. Right? They could see that he was really the by far the ringleader because he I guess he was the one that originally was taking money from you guys' rental car company. It's not clear to, in the documentary of how much more involvement he had in the company and like coming up with things than he did at, like it's just because I'm the one telling the story that it looks right. like I was like the ringleader right. it's just not true so they didn't come to him and say we want you to flip on on Ray they didn't even think about going to him okay no. they okay. wanted him they wanted him yeah gotcha so then like I get out I get a great lawyer mm -hmm. uh, Joseph Bondi shout out to him mm -hmm. he's like now he's like the number one marijuana lawyer in the country uh -huh. um, and you're being tried in Florida no, I'm being tried. SDNY picks up the case because it's a fraud case. So they pick up all the biggest financial crimes. Okay. And gotcha. like with wire fraud, it's we invest, if one investor is from New York, they can pick it up. Yeah. Wow. And that's the downtown courthouse. It doesn't get more federal than being SDNY. at the federal courthouse yeah. all in the, the mob southern cases, district of New York. Yeah. All the big mob cases, yeah. all the big financial cases uh, from Bernie Madoff to SBF, who's like the big crypto guy. Was that wild being in a suit, like walking into that building? Just yeah. like that's the halls of the power, you yeah. know? That court is beautiful too. It's yeah. like so beautiful. Yeah. Um, how long, how long before you decided to flip? Did you give it any thought? No, I was, I would have flipped like, I'm like not ashamed of flipping in that case at mm -hmm. all. Like he had fucked me over so many times over. Yeah. Um, Farkas, I knew, had, like I was telling that guy, he shouldn't even go to jail. Like he didn't right. even know, he was too dumb to even know what the yeah. fuck was going on. Uh, I hated Sorby. I was like, of course I'll cooperate. I was in rehab and I'm like, I'm getting sober. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm down. Like, mm -hmm. get me the meeting with them. Uh, the, the original, whatever, prof or whatever the yeah. fuck they call it. Yeah. And, um, then he's like, uh. Like, I, I get out of rehab a couple months later. He's like, all right, yeah, come to New York. They want to meet with you. And where is Sorby in jail the whole time or did he bond he, out? So he basically, in the very beginning, he had, um, they had, they were trying to get the the rest of the Ethereum that the company had. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be during the SEC investigation, given to the lawyer and given to somebody else to put in like two different lock boxes. And then the FBI went to get it. And there was the, a fake at password. And they were like, all right, Sorby, we know you have it. We're not letting you out of jail until you give us the real password, mm. right? And then they ended up, like, finding it in his house, like, under his, like, thing where he keeps his silverware, mm -hmm. like, under, you know, like, on yeah. the bottom. And that was the the access to access, yeah, it's the like rest a of the Ethereum. Yeah. And how much was left? 100,000 Ethereum, which at today's value is, like, $250 million. Wow. And, and that was all you guys had... Uh, that was that was in the company, or that was the coin. That was the remaining coin you had. No, the coin they that like went to zero right away after we all got arrested, right? right. So the that, value just completely collapses. Yeah. It's worth nothing. Ethereum is has a million other things going for it. Right, that it's its own coin. Right, and that's where all the value that we had right. left that was going to be able to give back to investors. That's what the FBI wanted. Right, and they seized that. Um, they took it from Sorby. They got it, mm -hmm. and they sold it like at the worst price though. They sold it at like the very bottom of the market. Right. They're idiots. Yeah. Like they, it's almost like they do that on purpose. Yeah, so you have to pay more money exactly. even though they could have sold it higher. So did, 
what are the total losses for uh, the investors? It's unknown, realistically. Yeah. Like they said, we raised thirty. We were charged with thirty-two million dollars of fraud. Mm. Uh, they sold that for like roughly thirty-two million dollars, the hundred thousand, which was the bottom of the market. Yeah. So like they could have like pro- said we made a profit. Like it was like a. That's where this fraud case was like very weird because there was never like a clear distinction of like how much we made, and we made way more than that. Like we made way more than the thirty-two million because we raised double that amount first off. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just a whole back and forth now, like them trying to sue me. Like I found a guy that basically does like these token investigations to find out how much our company actually raised. Mm. And right off the bat, he found like double the amount of money that we raised. And basically, it's like a whole ongoing thing legally right now that that I'm dealing with. So are you getting sued? Because I imagine- By Sorby and Farkas, because I'm just basically trying to point out that Sorby cashed out double that amount of money Mm -hmm. into his own accounts. And now the whole Farkas family doesn't work. And they're living like on yachts and fucking partying. And the and the government couldn't find that money. They didn't seize any of that stuff. I, I've said it on the documentary in per uh, in like on purpose to like bring awareness to this situation. And it's just like cut out. It's a fucking whole thing. Like I and like call me a snitch. Call me whatever you want to do. I really could care less. Like mm-hmm. in this case, like fuck Sorby. I, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, I'm no longer a criminal. I do nothing wrong mm-hmm. in life. I have family and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but that. There's like a lot of money there that like could be given back to investors. Also, I'm going to pay my restitution, my 10%. Which is of, how much? I owe like three million dollars. Right. Right. And it's 10 percent of every dollar I make, I pay to the, towards the government. Right. Right. Uh, and what? Um, what about Sorby? So that Farkas clearly got away with a bunch of money. Uh, he, he. They gave him a year. They gave him a year, but he never made money through the company. He's making money now, just like basically living off Sorby. Like this, like Sorby's basically just controlling that family of now that that's like pretty much what's going on. How much was seized from Sorby? He had like an extra like 10 million, I think that he owes in restitution on top of the 100,000 Ethereum. Um, But there's really like, I don't know what value Sorby could have sold it at, right? But there was at least like another 20, 30, maybe like it could be. It all it, it, the value of the market like it yeah. matters so much of like when he possibly could have sold it. Right, it could be fucking two hundred million that he has. But it how much did he have? In do you know? Do you have any knowledge of him cashing out his own coin when when the SEC started to, yeah. to like was he sending money overseas or or doing I don't anything know. to hide? I don't know. I know when they raided his house, he had a million in cash. Uh-huh. Um, like you know, and then he, he they said like ten million to his bank accounts. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do know. Yeah. As far as like how much more and when he sold the cryptocurrency at what value, I have no fucking idea. Mm-hmm. But I know a hundred thousand Ethereum was sent to an exchange, yeah, uh, Gemini, which is like a major exchange, which could be figured out, and it's uncovered. And Not, they didn't. Find- yeah, I've even spoken to like the guy from the documentary, Nathaniel Popper. Uh, There's a whole thing that's going to like continue on through me doing like interviews and shit. Wow, wow. So, did remind me, did it go to trial? No. So he copped out. Yeah. And they gave him eight years. Yeah, they gave Sorby. him three felonies instead of four. Mm-hmm. He he thought maybe he'd get less than that. I don't know. He ended up getting eight years. Mm-hmm. And the the full amount of his, like, I guess you guys didn't embezzle. You committed fraud, mm-hmm. so they don't put an amount on it, or do they? They said thirty two million. They said thirty two million. Okay, which gotcha. is just like such a, like that was just the value of it at the bottom of the market. Right. When they sold it, so right. it was just like. So you think you probably raised sixty five, and that was, and your Ethereum was worth about two fifty, two hundred fifty million. Yeah. Okay. So no, yeah, we raised like at the very beginning. It's 
say $250, but Ethereum was just increasing every single day. Mm -hmm. So there's a point where we have 200,000 Ethereum and Ethereum was worth $1,500 a coin. So yeah. that right there is $300 million. So they could have said we did a $300 million fraud. Yeah, it seems like they could have. Like, I guess an opportunity cost. Yeah. They could have. Yeah, 100%. Um, do you, were any of the investors given their money back or had money returned to them? So that was put in the documentary that no one's gotten money back. I know when it first was sold, they put up like a thing like this is where you can claim money. Um, I don't know if it's due to like there's like a lot of shady money in crypto that mm. people aren't claiming it. Yeah. I know there's a class action suit that's like trying that's like tying up some of the money. It's, uh, does that affect you at all? Or do you just you just bump, with the lump, government. lump it into a restitution? You just pay 10 cents? I just pay no, yeah, 10 cents on every dollar. Yeah. And and what about people suing you uh, individually? That's just Sorby and Farkas. I could care okay. less. I have no assets. But in the documentary, they they show you just, just buying a new house like the day after court or something I, like that. I first off, I paid the restitution on the money that I I made to buy that house. I bought a house on it with a mortgage. Right, that your mother or your mother in law. Yeah, my my staked? my 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 father in law co signed the house. Yeah, and he put up half the money, mm -hmm. and then I I worked, and then I also got help from family, right. and I basically just bought a house with a mortgage. Right. There's nothing shady there at all. No. The fucking, people think that, like, they put that in there. That clip right there, I was talking to the, the director about how today's society is very hard for, like, millennials and, and younger generations to buy houses, and I, in a separate time, I'm talking to him, like, what do you want me to say? I bought the house of doing something shady, like, off camera, and he just clipped that together. <laughs> right. So right. it's not, I would never say what I said in the documentary. Did you expect to, to be made to look like the villain? Yeah, I didn't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I knew, I just said, make it as good as possible. Make it, like, mm. as, as sell it as much as possible. Right. I'll just take the exposure, and I'll speak to everybody, and yeah. people will have their stances. Like, right. you know, <clears throat> fucking... Pretty much like all exposure is just pretty much there's a silver lining to it, right? Like uh, sure. the 48 laws of power line. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Uh, I just, I know of like you put me in, in front of enough people, there's going to be people that like me. There's going to be people that hate me. And then like the people that like me, I'll just grow with. That's right. That's right. So what do you, first of all, uh, just so everybody knows, you didn't do any time. I did. I ended up getting no time. Right. And and people like miss also during my whole time of leading up into sentencing, I got my case act, came a drug counselor and worked with like sexual abuse and drug addicts. Yeah. And that seemed to nourish you in a way. Uh, it saved my life. Like I kept me sober. Um, I worked with the FBI day in and day out, like really helped them put away Sorby essentially, mm -hmm. right? Like call me right. I could care less. Like that kid deserves yeah, to be in jail. Of course. Um, I wanted to change my life around. Mm -hmm. I got sober. I became a drug counselor. I and then I also like filmed the documentary throughout this whole time. Yeah. So like, it was like this weird moment. And then like, yeah, it's all on camera. My wife's water broke the day of sentencing, mm -hmm. which was like a yeah. crazy scene in in the documentary. That happened fast. You met her. You yeah, knocked yeah, her up. That's our second kid. Yeah, this is in a matter like, of like three years. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I got two. And you maintain your boys. sobriety. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I, I, I still, I, I drink. I'm not like uh, drugs. I'm just, I'm just clean from drugs. I just don't do any drugs. And you're able to drink. I, I never had a drinking problem. So, you, but, but I, you're able to drink and not think about Xanax. Not at all. I literally like. I have no thought of drugs at all. Where, where, but the, what I have to really watch out for is when I'm off probation. Right. It's easy for me 
with yeah. something such so big over my head. Right. I have to have I have this so like drinking like I have like a vodka like one you know once a week. So or your whatever. PO lets you drink. Yeah, it's, I didn't have a drug charge or a drinking charge. Right. I'm just shocked because uh, POs are notoriously ball busting to where like they don't give a fuck. They just want to make sure you have no fun. Oh so, no, that was there was never like any sort of restriction against drinking. Right. Like, um, unless you're in, like, in the very beginning when I'm, like, going to, like, a drug counseling place. Yeah. But I've finished all those things, like, years ago. So, how long is your tail? How long are you on paper for? I have another year. Okay. Um, and what are the things that could violate you? Um, drugs. So, if you if you piss dirty, they would violate your pro- probation? Yeah, and with federal, like, you're on pretrial probation right after you get out of rehab or right out of jail. Right. right? So I've been on basically pretrial for like three years leading up into my sentencing. Mm-hmm. And then another two coming up in April will be two years. So I've been on like pretrial and probation for five years. Mm-hmm. And I've passed every single drug test and abided by every single law. I've done nothing right. illegal. So, I mean, there's a real reason I got no time. People don't yeah. want to like value some of the things I, I say in that mm-hmm. regard. Like cooperation mm-hmm. means a fucking shit ton. I'm like, you've been through the system. You know how that goes. I never cooperated. No, I'm not saying you did. I'm right. saying you've been through the system the of record. like being, yeah, a, yeah I, I think everybody knows you didn't. But uh, yeah, like, like, you know how it works. Like people yeah. that cooperate, of course, get crazy, of said, course. like, you know, guys have murdered people and got out of jail. Yeah. For cooperating. Sandy the Bull. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not judging at all. And, and like I said, I, I wanted to, Really have uh, everybody, all the listeners, understand the kind of person that Sorby is. You know what I mean? He's no good. Kid's no good. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm he happy. Would, he would have cooperated against me. Oh, 100%. a thousand percent. There was not even, there's not a question. He's yeah. not like a gangster. No, it's he has like, no scruples. Yeah. He's unscrupulous. He's unprincipled. He's a used car salesman from Long Island. Exactly. Um, so... Uh, we're going to, let's switch over to the Patreon now. There's a couple of questions and stuff that I want to save for the, the premium members, but Ray, you killed it, man. Thank you for coming on here, baby. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. So, uh, what now? Te- uh, first of all, what are you doing for work? Me? I'm just doing, they I'm said tra- you're a loan shark in the documentary. They're fully made up. <laughs> fully made up. <laughs> there's, there's a, a blank, a dark screen and then like a, a, a post log note, uh, saying that you are a money lender at a 50% VIG. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believed you're from Long Island. Yeah, that's Are like you the doing new, that? that is the new hustle. But no, I'm not doing that. What are you doing? Me, I like for a while there, I was just working in construction. Like I was literally working. Like my dad got me a job. I rekindled my relationship with him, right. and I was doing the KSAC work. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing the documentary and writing a book. So, so pretty what much, are you doing I'm, for work now? I've been working in construction. Then once the documentary came out, I've just been like, it's been like three weeks since this came out. Mm-hmm. I've been just trying to do social media right. and see where I can grow. Right. Um, so like, um, I don't know if I'll do go back to construction, but I'm just kind of just playing out this moment. Of Why just did like, they say you were a, a money lender? It was like, like, it was like he was like, oh, what do you, um, like I was just basically pitching him like, this is what the new hustle is. Like what right. everybody's doing is like this new um, cash advance thing. Mm. And it's basically like 50% loans. And I was like, he was like, oh, like, would you create a business? I was like, I can create a business in two seconds mm-hmm. and do that and kill it. I would never do that on probation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not trying to be in like shady industries. Right. And he just basically like, like I was just telling him like how he, how, what you could do. Yeah, what and, would and the like, new Bitcoin, the equivalent yeah. of the new hustle look like, yeah, yeah, not yeah. crypto. And he just like, that's why it's not, you don't see my word, like me yeah. saying it. He just wrote it. Yeah. Like, and I was just like telling him like, this is like 
listen, I'll come up with a name like this. Mm-hmm. I was just showing them how easy I could come up with a right. new hustle if I wanted to. I see. But I, I, see. I have no interest in that. Okay. So you're you're trying to get in the media, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. So you've you're you're gonna start promoting on podcasts. Uh you're writing a book. Yep. Uh so we might see that coming sometime. Yeah, yeah. my my book is finished. Uh it's basically finished. Like I have I'm just trying to get it edited and then I had a little bit of an issue uh getting a publisher because the son of Sam Laws. So I'm having it like rewritten through my best friend. I see. I see. Okay. Um so what what should we plug right now? Go ahead and tell people what in the immediacy what they can do. Um I would just say follow me uh on Instagram at Rachel Penny. You know, everything there okay. is in my bio to like follow me on other platforms. Okay. Cool. So we'll post a, a link in the description. Um and yeah, you know, you'll, I mean, clearly you're going to figure it out. You know, you're a sharp kid. You mm-hmm. made a lot of dumb choices, but, uh, but you got a business mind like, and, and it's impressive. Yeah. What I plan to do is right is to grow my social media for like the next year, get off probation and then just parlay my following into whatever business venture I want to do next. Right. Right. Like that's like literally a hundred percent mapped out what I'm going to do. Yeah. There's just no question. I just don't want to open a business while I'm on probation. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Maybe a podcast down the road. A hundred percent have like some sort of podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, once I that like this thing with iHeartRadio comes out, that will go wherever it goes, and then I'll open. I'll have like my own show that I want to do. I can see you being like uh, a, a reduced version of like Andrew Tate, like being like a business coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give me money, and I'll show you how to sell stuff online. You know I, what I mean? I, I get but this. I get but, this a lot. But that's how people need to make money now. People need people have to be rich to survive the new. Let's talk about that. On, some of that on the Patreon too. Like so, like something that like an ordinary motherfucker can do. You know, people our age and our generation, nobody wants to work with good reason. It, your money's not worth anything, right? Like the society's falling apart. So it's 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 important to have a business. So no, I think you could actually do good work out of that. Like. Truly help people, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's okay to make money doing it. No, I, I'm 100% going to do something along those lines as well, right? Like, that's yep. like, like even if I just had a talk show and it was giving out free game of people calling in with business advice, mm-hmm. I would love to do that. I also would love to give, like, w- uh, relationship advice to, like, men that, like, struggle in that area. Because, mm-hmm. yep. like, I, I, I've done well throughout the course of my life in that in that field as well. I think it would be, like, fun and I would make it humorous, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, I just also... Like as far as like the red pill community type of shit, mm-hmm. like that whole world, uh, I just don't want to be like shitting on women. That's like not my thing. Right. right? Like I'm right. more of like a lover boy approach to like sure. that whole thing. Sure. Sure. Last question. Does your stepbrother, your former stepbrother, it, it, is he aware of everything that's going on? I have no idea. Have you forgiven him? Yeah. I, I Like through working with like other sexual abuse victims, mm-hmm. I noticed that there was people like 60 years old that like still wanted to kill whoever did something mm-hmm. to them as a kid. I kind of just look at it as like, he was like a couple years older than me, horny kid in the house. You know, maybe he's gay, maybe he's not. I don't know what his thing is now. But um, it just does no good for me to like hold that resentment. Like I, I'm able to like have a good life. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think my, the, the real resentment was thinking my family knew about it more so than like this random, right. he was like kind of half retarded, um, <laughs> you know, like in like special programs yeah, and shit. Yeah. So like. He might've just thought he was petting you, <laughs> combing your hair. <laughs> yeah. So like that, that is like, it does me no good. I, I like, and then like, I've also like made back up my father. So like, I'm pretty like 
good, you know, yeah. like have my family, my kids, and yeah. like I'm chilling. You got a good life. Yeah. You got a good life. Awesome. Uh, you guys switch over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the connect show. Rachel Pawnee, you killed it. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, brother. Take care, guys. 